Let's go down to ringside. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode. And is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Wrestling fans, and welcome to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. It is episode number 147 here on Monday, September the 23rd, 2019. Thank you guys for being with us here as we romp you through the world of retro wrestling yet again. I'm Joe Murata, and that guy is Michael Quinn. How you doing, Michael? Howdy doody. Quinn? Yeah. Last I heard, you were working up until, like, last Thursday for this past month. Like an hour before this podcast. <laughs> so, I, I work a lot. Um, You've been working, man. Hard on the go. Yeah, and those hands on the clock have landed here on OVP for you guys. Yeah, and thank there you, you go. <laughs> thank you for being with I gotta us get here. get the swishy pants like Road Dog. You do, actually. Yeah, uh, and or, if you want to... the Garth Brooks attire, whichever one he was during that. <laughs> so, while you listen to the Garth Brooks of podcasts here at your wrestling, uh, you can head on over to Twitter if you haven't yet. And follow us at OVP Podcast. You can also email us if you'd like at OVP Podcast at gmail.com. That is OVP Podcast at gmail.com. But the best place, Gwen, if you want to talk about the swishy pants, Garth Brooks, Road Dog is over on Facebook. Yeah, Facebook.com slash Dog of Road. It's a good site. All the dogs, they go woof woof on this website. Matilda. So much woofing. um, And that's what you do over there. Junkyard. You woof about the old wrestling. Mm -hmm. British. Bark, bark. uh, British Bulldog's going to win whether he likes to or not. Pepper. Pepper. Pepe. We talk uh, wrestling dogs. uh, Wrestling dogs. Make make that threat. Um, Anyway. Go to Facebook. Over there, you go to the facebook.com slash dogs and um, you type in the search bar. They have the search bar. They do. And you type our vantage point dash retro wrestling podcast dogs and then um, bing bang boom um, tubes gore kaflui and the operators receive it and you're in. That's it. And when you go to the group now, you can talk about dogs but you can also talk about old wrestling. Uh, You can talk about that old wrestling with me, with Quinn and with hundreds of other people that want to do the same thing which is just talk about the old wrestling reminisce, ask questions. Here's an example. Who do you think is the best wrestling dog, Joe? Probably um, Dynamite Kid. He was a British bulldog. The Dynamite Kid. Uh-huh. Okay. But then you can add, see, in, in, in this Facebook thing, you yep. type in, well, I think Joe's a stinky idiot. And Don't this, say that, though. This is his, this is the best dog, Pepper. And that's an yeah. example of what not to do. Thank you very much, Quinn. That's an example of what not to do. We don't want to be mean to each other. Right, exactly. You know why? You can do that elsewhere. There's plenty of other places to be mean or get be made mean to. Heard it here uh-huh. first. So uh, we try to be nice there. You know, if you like the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith, and someone like Maurice Mad Dog Vachon is the best dog, you don't have to argue, like, like call each other doo-doo heads. Right. You don't have to be barking up that tree. You can just talk about how you disagree nicely. The more uh, you know, really. It's a very, very educational segment here. So go to our Facebook group. It really is a fun time. You don't have to only talk about dogs. You talk about cats, too. Go to it. It's fun. Uh, later on in the show, we'll be talking about our Patreon. We have a Patreon, yes, yes, we have one of those, but it's not, hey, please subscribe to my Patreon, Blue Chew. It's like we actually give you a lot of extra content, not just like shout outs on Twitter for $7 or whatever people do. I so always th- like my $7 <laughs> shout outs, Joe. That's, so, that's my favorite kind. So just go to <laughs> patreon.com slash OVP podcast. More on that later. 
Quinn, all season long, as a genuine thank you to our fans, we've, uh-huh. been, we've been doing a segment where we took, and we actually still are taking them. The season's not over They're yet. They're coming in. They're flying yeah. off the shelves <laughs> and into our inbox. That's right. <laughs> at ovppodcast at gmail.com. If you want to email us a topic for a discussion for the opening segment, we have a few episodes left in this season. Only a couple. you got to get them in. That's right. And what we've been doing is we've been picking one at random by spinning the wheel in a little segment we call Wheel You Stop. That's right. Welcome yet again to Wheel You Stop. The uh, crowd that won. <laughs> Great team show. You know, you're a real good crowd. And we got a funny comedian up there telling yeah, jokes. So funny. Might be Rob Bartlett. What did I'm you not really say? sure. I don't know. Uh-oh, Something uh, about Mike Tyson or yeah, an amphitheater. Yeah, I hope not. But the whole point of this segment, folks, here as we uh, get rid of this music, is that we spin the wheel uh, and we take one of your suggestions and we actually just talk about it for the entire first segment few episodes left so if you want to add to the wheel go ahead but quinn uh we've been spinning we've been alternating or sometimes i'll spin sometimes you'll spin who's doing the honors today michael uh, i'll spin i'm feeling spicy i'm feeling like pepper the dog all right <laughs> okay well why don't you go ahead and give it a spin uh, there it goes okay there it goes this is a real wheel it's yeah, in the studio 100 percent real it's definitely real and let's see uh what the wheel lands on here it has landed on rick K. Yes, Ricky K. Uh, what's the K stand for? I don't know. What is, uh, Commander Keen. Yes, Rick Commander Keen. Yeah. Uh, well, Rick Commandant, this is what he has to say. What angle had so much promise, then turned out to be a dud? Sting has enlisted the aid of Robocop. All right, what angle had so much promise, then turned out to be a dud? I guess we'll just... Probably the best way, Quinn, is we'll just talk about a few that we think of as we go. Yeah, sure. Thank you, Rick K. You're the lucky winner today. Uh, see uh, see the cashier on your way out for a voucher. Yep. Special voucher for the salad bar. Definitely. 2 to, two to 4 p.m., four ninety five. all you can eat. All the uh, Russian dressing you can handle. All, all, all the Russian leg sweeps you yeah. can handle. Quinn, angles that were maybe going to be good and turned out to be bad. What are you, th- you thinking of one? You want me to go first? Um, one that comes to mind just because I think of what we watch for the review today is... Uh, Mr. Perfect turning on Bobby Heenan thing. Like, okay. Because I... Why was he terrible? Like, after that, like, like after this. Because it's like, you know, all this build-up, right? All these right. years, he's with Bobby the Brain. And, you know, he keeps getting shoved to the back and Ric Flair's assistant or whatever. Executive consultant. Whatever it is. That's what it is. The point is, is that you're like, man, Mr. Perfect, if he ever turned on Ric Flair, oh, they'd be in trouble. You don't put your hands on me. No, wait a minute. Survivor Series, wait I'm going to be no, in the corner of the Macho Man Randy Savage. I accept it, Savage. Yeah, he d- drove him out, but then he was just like annoying and stupid, like, and he just wasn't entertaining anymore. If you're newer to the show, folks... And I'm not saying I disagree with you, Quinn. Quinn has a a very strong dislike for the face turn, Mr. Perfect. And, and to be honest with you, I'm not sure what the general consensus is on. I don't have the pulse of the people on on Perfect's face yeah. turn. I don't pulse, know if people perfect like it. Pulse. I, what do you think would have made it better then, or should he just not have turned face? But well, the, if he just acted like Mr. Perfect, the problem, but that's a heel. Yeah, and that's the problem. He's not meant to be a face. Well, because it's an arrogant character, like, in concept, in principle, and execution, right? right? If they were going to drive Ric Flair out anyway, like, that was the plan, right? then why did they not, I, I don't know, like, after Ric Flair's gone, then he's just regular Mr. Perfect again. Instead, he's like... Oh, I'm so happy, and Randy Savage is good, and like I wear like sparkly 
things. Like what, I'm what happy it, yeah, and perfect. Yeah, and it was so dumb. Randy Savage, you're good. Yeah, <laughs> that's essentially all of it. I I collect stamps or whatever he does in like the Coliseum videos. Is my friend. But perhaps there's one hobby that you're not aware of that Mr. Perfect has, and that is stamp collecting. It's just I hate it. Well, okay. I have a, a maybe a bigger magnitude one. Sure, I, I need it. Needs we've talked about it before, but it needs to be said. We'd be remiss if we didn't state the obvious. The invasion. Do a couple minutes on that. Yep. So the invasion. It, it was the hottest thing to ever happen. Allegedly, it could have been, it, and then they screwed it all up. I mean, no. But in all seriousness, the dream of well, what would happen if WCW people actually appeared on WWF programming? Yeah, it finally happened, like in real life. You know yeah. what I mean? And. And it actually happened, Vince. And, 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 and it was so great when they were sitting in that booth at WrestleMania 17. And <laughs> like, and it was just like a bunch of the biggest losers. It wasn't even the good people. Right. Like, and I, it's true. Like, Canyon was like, and I like Canyon, but he's not like the top star of WCW. It's like you know? Chuck Palumbo. Uh, yeah, shit it's like, like that. It's like, who? What? Booker was big. It'd be like if the cast of WCW Prime but not like any of the major stars, like the jobbers on WCW Prime showed up and said, we're taking over WWF. It'd be like in 1994 if WWF invaded WCW and sent Tatanka. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like now, I think there's a few easy factors as to why this didn't work the way it should have. We've talked about it. Number one, I think, is they started too early before they were able to get all these guys that were still under Time Warner contracts. We've right. talked about the Hogan the uh, outsiders, people like that, Goldberg. Isn't that usually the primary problem with this? Is that the best guy they could possibly get when they decided to do this was Booker T? Yeah, and that's not a slight. It's not at a slight Booker against Booker T. He really was a big star, but like Booker T is supposed to be like part of the group. He's not like the leader. Correct. Like, you know what I mean? Yes, and they didn't even have Steiner yet, Scott yeah. Steiner. Yeah, they, there was a lot of people they didn't get their hands on yet. Right. So that's number one. I think the other main problem is that it turned into the McMahons feuding with each other. Shane owns WCW and the Princess Vince's little baby girl now on DCW. Oh, gonna put the butts in the seat. Yeah. Right, that's the other problem. It's Very because, off-putting. Because all of a sudden it's like, a Shane McMahon owns WCW <laughs> and Stephanie owns ECW for why, some why? reason. Just so we can do this again. And I don't even know, Linda's like not even involved in this shit. Like, I she, don't own anything anymore. So, I own Big Show or whatever. I don't know who. It Mick is. Foley. Mick Foley. Yes, Mick Foley. Sorry, wrong person. I, tur- I churn butter on the weekends. Right. Uh, anyway, it's a McMahon feud. That's all it is. And then, like, remember the. This is the most fitting thing. They finally do like the invasion pay per view, which is like a special pay per view for the invasion. I, right? I was so ready for but this. But this should be very indicative of what it is. Right. Is the cover like poster of it is <laughs> half. Vince's face and half Shane's face with like the company names in their eyeballs yeah, or whatever. When was Shane McMahon ever associated with WCW ever? Since March 26, 2001. Exactly. That's about it. Johnny come lately. And the other thing is that um, it turned into a bunch of WWF guys on Team WCW, well, which yeah. just made it so... And look, I know it's so, wrestling. Hang on. Yeah. I know it's wrestling. I know it's an angle. But it just made it so, like, carny side. Like, oh, Steve Austin's mad at WWF, so he's going to go to WCW. So I look at it as this, is that that wasn't really a... That was them trying to fix the fact that they didn't have all the big stars. Like Hogan. They they looked at their roster and they said, who do we have that used to be possibly, like, connected in some way to WCW that's 
so that it I could guess. like buoy the WCW side. Buoy, yeah, buoyed. And they were like, "Well, Stone Cold used to be in WCW and ECW. That will definitely make it like a big thing." Yeah, but it was cruddy. Yeah, it was just crummy. It and that was supposed to be the big defection, too. But it was crap. Like, it was just, who cared? I know. Yeah, I and was... then Austin just, like, <laughs> at the end of it, he's just like, WWF number one. Yeah. Like, he just, like, leaves. Like... I was, like, 15, 16, and even I was like, this is dumb. Right. I think this angle turned a lot of people off for a while. Oh, yeah, because it, it was, like, literally, it felt like the whole Monday Night Wars, this was, like, the culmination of it, which was, like, the undercurrent of everything that happened since they got popular. Since, like, 95? Right. Was, was like, okay, we're finally on screen going to have them fight like WCW so versus, versus WWF. Right. Like, and it's just so shitty. Yeah, and everyone's like, well, I don't need to watch this anymore. Like, like, you know what I mean? It's like it's like the main, it's like if you had like this this plot device in your sitcom or, or television prestige drama or something, right? right? And it's like- the West all, Wing. Like the, it's basically the premise of it, right? Yes. And then the, the premise of the show from episode one to like season eight all combined, it comes to a head, right? And yep. finally, like, the premise catches up with, like, all the other nonsense that occurred. Right. And then the premise, like, storyline sucks ass. Like Chuck Palumbo's there. Right, yeah, and it, it's all, like, minor stupid people. <laughs> like, seriously, instead of Hulk Hogan, you have Sean O'Hare. Yeah. Like, I'm not kidding. It's, it's, it's really poor. And all they had to do was wait till 2002. Like, <laughs> literally, like, a year later. Like, all they had to do was be, like... You could have even just had them hanging out in the rafters well, or whatever the fuck. It got worse and worse, like invaded more and more. Yeah. And culminating with the NWO. Have it be a whole year build. Anything. Yeah, like, just <laughs> just give us, like, suggest, okay, WCW is around, but they're not doing anything right. yet. What's up with that? And then all of a sudden, when they have everyone, NWO comes in. And then I bet you Sting would have signed if that was the real Maybe, thing. yeah. You know, possibly. And then, like, I don't know. There was, like, all this other bullshit during it like ddp being, well, yeah that's, that's another, another good one that's another storyline that transitions so all right in the midst of in the midst of when the invasion was going on which is like the spring and summer of 2001 right uh sarah undertaker right <laughs> what's a uh, mark's wife mark undertaker and he notably had a tattoo that's how we that's how i knew about yeah. her in wrestling i'm not joking and there was a stalker yeah. And it was a big build-up. It was actually a very well-done Oh, yeah. It's not like they didn't up. give this anything. And the big reveal was awesome, too. Right. The big reveal, the stalker the whole time, was greasy, shitty, like, boardwalk Short version. Yeah, like, Point Pleasant boardwalk version. Yeah. Of di- <laughs> Maybe Point Pleasant's too nice. Seaside Heights boardwalk oh, yeah, version. Very seaside. <laughs> of Diamond Dallas Page. Remember? With the mask off, the big pop. The big smile. Yeah, that, it's yeah. great. The ensuing part of the angle is that The Undertaker just, like, won the feud, like, very handily with oh, yeah. no problem. Just, like, who will mess with Sarah Undertaker? <laughs> MMA. You. And then he just beats him up, and MMA. that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and that was it. And then, like, DDP went down like an idiot. <laughs> yeah, that's, like, that's why it's bad. You know what they should have done? Honestly, I don't know what the relationship was between DDP and Kimberly at this point, but... I they think they should- were still together. 
yeah, even so, they should have brought her in and then, like, then, then, because then you have the opposing, kind of like how they did the Miss Elizabeth with Randy Savage versus. You really like that, don't no, you? No, but I'm saying, like, it could have worked with Undertaker and Sarah Taker or whatever. <laughs> like, I'm just saying, they just a little piece of that, just to introduce DDP to the WWF audience. Possibly. Like, you know what I mean? Anything else that they would, yeah. anything would have been better. I just don't understand why they just had him lose like an idiot. Like, he just, like, he didn't even put up a fight. He just got his ass whooped. Did it's he- like, ah, oh, DDP, you know four-time WWE yeah. champ. He's just garbage compared to Undertaker. Did he piss him off in real life or something or piss somebody off? I don't know. It's usually what happens and then Undertaker gets mad because he's like got, the leader I've, of the crew or honestly, something. Honestly, I always got Bone the gist that it wasn't even anything like that. It was, Bone Street. It was like an attempt that they knew DDP was old because remember he made he was. it big when he he's was He's like 45. Old. He made it big when he was older. Right? That was always understood yeah. about him, right? And I yes. think that I think the WWF liked him. And they said, we yeah. want to work with you. Great guy. And, and like... Legit. And they still, to this day, love him. He's great. And they, they thought, oh, we're, you know, we're really respecting him by giving him this top big angle to come yeah, into. Yeah, just the execution The failed. execution was just bad, yeah. and it was kind of like DDP could never kind of recover from it. Right. Even though he probably only had like a year left anyway, even after that angle. Oh, he did only wrestle until O two. I mean, I just mean physically he wouldn't have That's wrestled. That's what I mean. Yeah. He only yeah. did. Yeah. It was just a weird way to go out for DDP. It was. We got a couple of minutes. Any other ones you can think of? Those GTV. Are the- GTV. Yes. Originally GDTV. Goldust TV or whatever yeah, it was apparently. supposed to be. And, but I, Vince Russo, your, your, uh, your friend Vince boy, Russo, yeah. Yeah, your lookalike, your doppelganger, uh-huh. he says it was originally going to be Tom Green TV. You know, because Tom Green was big, bro. I don't know. I don't what? believe it. I don't Tom believe it. Tom Green wasn't big in 1998. Yes, he was. 99. Yeah. Nine, I, when was this? 99. I it was 98. But 99. Okay. No, he kind of oh. was. Tom Green was just starting then, though. It wasn't like he was, like, he was mega popular. It was before Freddy got fingered. Right, exactly. Before he got fingered. That but amazing movie. Great movie. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, that was a stupid <laughs> angle with no payoff. It was, if you don't remember, good. It was like this hidden cam thing. Well, I wouldn't say it was stupid. It was, it was very, stupid. It was very intriguing because it, it was very mysterious. Remember, it would just appear. You're you right. see some stuff. Okay, you're and right. And you didn't know what it meant or why it was happening. And that, to me, was the genius of it was that, that it was right so about. cryptic. Well, it was done in a way. Actually, you know what? I retract my saying it was stupid. The, the, the lack of payoff is what was stupid. Right. What was good about it is unlike any other time after that and including now, where there's an invisible camera and people are thinking they're doing things it's like in usually in the ceiling or something, the camera. Yeah. What I'm saying is like nowadays people think they're being private, like they don't notice the right. giant cameraman mm-hmm. in there and they're like, yeah, we can't tell anyone about this. Meanwhile, it's like, yeah, there's clearly a camera. There. But it, this captured people on hidden camera. Right. And but to me, it's not only just that. It's also the fact that the things that were being captured were seemingly random. Like, they, they, there was yeah. no connection there was at like, all. And that was what was so mysterious about it to me as a kid. Like, I was just like, why is this happening? It's me and Terry Runnels in the back. It would capture the wrestlers doing something that they weren't so proud of. Correct. And that, incriminating. Incriminating, right. And so, to me, that's what made it interesting was the common thread was just like that it was, like, it was just stuff that you didn't really want to know about. Right. But it's embarrassing to the wrestlers and you're kind of like... Who's doing this? Right, right. You know what I yes, mean? Exactly. Like, but the problem is there was never a payoff. It just died. Like, they just stopped showing up, right? Yeah. No, it's what happened. It, it's probably Hornswoggle. It's yeah, usually it's always him. Hornswoggle somehow. And one more for honorable mention here before we get out of here. Luger's face turn in WWF should have been a lot better. Oh, yeah. Body slamming Yoko is great. And I'm not saying he should have stayed the narcissist or narcissist. 
I think that they just went a little too overboard with the patriotic and the Lex Express. Well, it was the it was the <laughs> wanting to be Hulk Hogan too. Yeah, but like Hogan never was that overboard. That was the problem. If they, I don't know. Look at him in WCW at that same yeah. time. <laughs> well, that well, he was in WF in that same time in like '93. I mean, but, in like yeah '94 or whatever. But yeah, yeah, but he was never that bad. Like they made Luger Jim Duggan, you know, he instead was a of Hulk too Hogan. Duggan-y. Less Hogan, and that's why he got dug in like uh, crowd reactions. And I also as well. think that what killed the whole angle, the promise of that angle, Joe, is yeah. the the SummerSlam like celebration that's after he thing. like won by a count out, and he, you're just like, this is he's the worst. Like, he was, <laughs> what a fucking idiot. He was fucked after that. He either should have lost, yeah. and just moved on, or won the title. And I always say that you know, ruins SummerSlam '93. Like every time I see that, I'm like, I hate this. So why? Because this is a great show until that. It's it's like almost like that thing where like remember randomly like <laughs> triple h like recently like started just playing like american music after like john cena lo- <laughs> you're fired john cena it's like i'm like confetti <laughs> fell and all it's like that like and it's just very weird and i don't understand any reason why it happened cena's free yeah cena's fired and then like confetti <laughs> falls like uh yeah that was a bad one and folks there's plenty of more out there and we want to hear them from you do that on the twitter at ovp podcast you can email us or join the group and let us know some angles that had promise i know there's more and turned out to be duds thank you rick k for the question it was a very okay question yeah uh thank you very much when we come back though quinn we have only four more names to pull out only four that's it in terms of finishers in wrestling we're gonna be pulling two more out here as we do the royal rankings that is coming up right after this Has Tom Green ever done anything for you? Unless he's come to your house and thrown corn at your parents, probably not. Tom wants to, though, because he really likes the people who watch his show. Have a couple of sports right here. He put out a tape which promises not only the most outrageous moments from the Tom Green Show, but your very own copy of Tom's music video, The Bum Bum Song. You'll be amazed at how your eyes and ears will pick up the signals, send them to your brain. Your brain will process this information, read it as hilarious, pump it back down your cerebral cortex, and you'll say, uh Get the best of MTV's The Tom Green Show today on home video. From Harley Race to Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair to The Rock, Sting to Steve Austin, you're listening to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys for being with us. It's episode number 147, and it's September 23rd, 2019. Hey, Quinn. Yeah. <laughs> we mentioned we have a Patreon. You're aware of the Patreon, right? Yeah, patreon.com slash OVP podcast. I know the it. address. You got it, Pally. And if you want to go to that address, folks, you'll put it into your GPS there, uh, your your good Patreon system. Go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Like we mentioned, it's not $7 shout outs over here. No. It's not what we're doing. I mean, if you want to pay us $7 for a shout out, I don't mind. Uh, yeah, but we're, we don't. We would never expect you to do that. Yeah, so we don't even offer silly. the options. So. No. So Sorry. If you want a shout out, we'll just do it for free. I don't care. Yeah. But anyway, we have three rewards tiers and they're all very cheap it's two three and five dollars that's all we do it's not even a lot we of money we don't even go to seven dollars no seven, we don't that's audacious <laughs> seven dollars <laughs> what a weird number it's ostentatious it's not you still have like to pay like 89 more cents for a big mac or whatever like meal 
<laughs> so if you useless. The two dollar tier, real quick here, is just video of us talking right now. Like and it might not sound that interesting, but there are people that like it because what it is, it's not, it's the raw dump we call it. Yeah, you get to see all the in between of the, the shirts. shirts that are worn. Yeah. Quinn has a V neck on that's very V. It's my my most extreme V. But basically it's raw video so you get to see everything before and after the show and in between segments. And if we make any mistakes, which we almost never do, because kind of like Kurt Henning, we're perfect. Not really. Not really. Um, you get to see mistakes. Yeah, there's mistakes. So it's uh, just two bucks a month. Now, for three dollars, and you're adding a dollar, you get the raw video shirt tier, and you also get to see us watching WWF 1983 as we go in order with Championship Wrestling. We've completed all of 1982. Some yep. free ones come out on our uh, on our normal podcast feed and on YouTube. Yeah, I would say we're experts on 1982, and if you want to become an expert too, then just you can just watch all of them with yep. us and watch us learn about it, yep. and then become the top experts in the world about 1982 WWF. That's correct, and every two weeks a new one comes out for 1983, and uh, we'll learn with you guys. So Stories that- being told. Yeah, that's right. It about, about how did these men become so well-versed in, I don't know, Adrian Adonis or whatever. You have to start somewhere, yeah. and you can start with us for only $3 a month on Patreon. Now, if you had two more dollars to that, that's it. And $5 a month. Not a day, not a week. No. One month. One month. Five you bucks. You have to pay that $5. Again, less than the price of a sandwich it or really, whatever. It really is. Yeah. It's like two coffees. Right. And what you get is the raw video shirt tier. You get the educational bi-weekly 1983 tier. Mm-hmm. And you also get every single month a pay-per-view full review by me and Quinn. Oh, and we when we say full... Gosh. Um, Good lord! Um, <laughs> recently did WrestleMania four, yes. and as you know, as a retro wrestling fan, you probably know uh, that's a long show. Yes, it is. And um, uh, the review is uh, just as long. Yes, it is. It's an extremely long review. But that's uh, look all the ones before that you get too for five dollars, yeah, and you only get one a month, so you have plenty of time to listen. Yes, it doesn't go away or anything either. No, no, it's no. like if you if it takes you like two months to listen to, it, hey, I can see that actually. Yes. <laughs> um, if it takes you two months to listen to it, it's like you haven't even missed much right. because it's like oh, then then just one more is waiting for you. Just you know? listen to it at your leisure. Yeah. Uh, next month coming out for October, we're doing it even though it's not a pay per view. It's Wrestle Fest '88 because we got to continue that Hogan Andre feud. Oh, you know, got we got to keep that thread going it's um it's a feud that just needs a, a million pay-per-views when they don't even have a lot yes like, <laughs> so they inserted the coliseum special for us to right. uh review that'll be coming up for october anyway it's patreon.com slash ovp podcast find a tier that works for you try it out for maybe a month and, and and that's it if you don't like it you don't like it it's okay we understand we but, get it but we feel like we're giving you a lot of uh, good content for a very small amount of money each month and uh, a lot of other people feel the same way maybe you'd be one of them patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Get in on the action. There you go, Michael. Speaking of action, Quinn, we've got finishing moves. We've been ranking all season uh, long here. Hot action. Uh, <laughs> good action. Good um, action. Yep. It's the most action. Um, It, it is quite a list right now it is and uh, what the royal rankings is folks is each season before it starts we get a list from you the fans 10 best and 10 worst of something we tally all that up and we have two separate ranking pools one for the best one for the worst and we pull two names out every week and we alternate weeks and right now this week we're on the best finishing moves Let's run down right now the six names on the board before we start. And number one is the pile driver, which includes the tombstone. Right. Number one uh, finisher of all time. Congratulations. Very good. Number two, the Stone Cold Stunner. Uh, It's stunning. And it's it's stunning that it's at number two, honestly. Well, it stunned a lot of people that it beat out number three, the Doomsday Device, Michael. Well, I mean. Sorry. Hey, that's a high rank for Doomsday (laughs) Device. You're right. Number four, the Sharp Shooter. That one I can't believe is that high. Well, number five, though, is the Super Kick Sweet Mm -hmm. Chin Music, which... 
No one had a problem with that. I was actually surprised. I'm okay with the ranking of it too. Actually, <laughs> too. to be honest, that that's per- it's very in the middle. It really is, right? Yeah. And number six is the perfect plex, which again, no one had an issue. They're like, well, yeah, uh, one person might. Somebody have, but- got mad on Twitter at me. Well, people get mad at you a lot yeah, for your it's opinions. All, it's all my fault. All the problems on this show. Listen, I'm, Quinn. Yeah. When the awards are handed out for who has the best opinions, those people will be right. Okay. Right. And okay. they'll be vindicated. But right now, we're going to go down to Howard Finkel for the Royal Rankings. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the Royal Rankings. He's got the sharpshooter. He's put everybody down with Sweet Tin Music. It is the Royal Rankings finishers here. We're coming down to the nitty and the gritty. Uh, we only have four names left for four so, moves. So gritty. It's, <laughs> it's a lot of grit going on here. And uh, we should mention here. These are scientifically ranked. We try to keep personal bias out of this as much as possible. Of course. We don't want to do that. Anyone can do that. We only do the tests and, you know, we don't don't insert our opinion into said tests. We put these uh, these through rigorous training, special training. Oh, yeah. That's at the PC. Yeah, at the P-Tree, actually, dish. Yeah, the PC gives us access. Uh, they let us do these moves to each other. Exactly. Uh, Ryan Malonis comes down, obviously. Yeah, of course. It takes a lot of time, and it takes a lot of hard work and dedication to come up with a list of the 10 best of something in wrestling. This isn't BuzzFeed. You know, we're really trying here. <laughs> yeah, well, it definitely isn't BuzzFeed. That's uh, true. So let's, uh, without screwing around anymore, Quinn, why don't we find out who drew number seven? Who did it? Well, it's the Power Bomb. Yes, the Power Bomb, uh, made famous by uh, Sid Eady and uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Sid Eady is Kevin his name. Nash. Yeah, uh, I guess, I guess so. Or Luthaz. One, it's not, it depends who you ask. It's a big finisher with a lot of variations. The Power Bomb made it. I guess are we encompassing variations of it? I think that's fair. Well, we did yeah. it with the pile driver. Variations on the Power Bomb aren't much of very like the only thing I can think of is when. Kevin Nash does it. He kind of like lets go earlier or something. Well, there's something, a right? release power bomb. Yeah. There's a sit down power bomb. There's a sit out power a sit bomb. Sit down is the most dramatic change I can think of. To and there's that also the crucifix power bomb, which would be the razor's edge. Yeah. There's the last ride, which is an elevated. That's more razor's edge. I I always consider the razor's edge and last ride the same move, but they're different than a power bomb. Personally, they're variations of the power bomb. That's okay. what the consensus well, okay. is. Science, science, <laughs> science right. here. Yeah. Okay, okay. I'll let the science stand. So Luthez did invent it, though. You're right about that, Mister Thez, now, uh, the the best at color and commentation <laughs> he is. and wrestling. The commissioner of uh, the Southwest Championship got a leather jacket. Um, he's very good. <laughs> he invented the power bomb. Uh, the version he did was kind of like the the kneel down version. Mm-hmm. Sid did that one sometimes. So it's instead of just standing up and picking him up. He went down with them. Luthez did. Right. Now, let's let's explain the basic power bomb. I like when you explain the moves. Go so, ahead. So, um, <laughs> it starts, you put a guy's head in your balls. That's wrestling. And then, and then you lift him, like you put your arms around his like chest, right? And then you lift him over your head, and then you slam him right back down. Onto his back and neck. On his back and neck, yes. Correct. 
I'd say Sid did a really good one. That's like, if you need a stereotypical powerbomb, Sid's is Sid's, really good. Sid's is like the most basic to me. Yeah, like, it's, it's a standard like the very powerbomb. basic one, but it, it's effective because Sid... You know what I always noticed? This move works the best with tall people because it looks like the drop is more devastating. Absolutely. So S- Sid, Kevin Nash, they're like the perfect people to be doing that. Absolutely. Uh, Vader did one sometimes and it wasn't his finisher, right? He just did it occasionally. Yeah. I, 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 that's all <laughs> right? I can say about it. It's like it was just a sub move for yeah. Vader. Now, you know what I always thought was really weird, though? Cruiserweights tended to do it like a lot. Like Dean Malenko, yes. Eddie Guerrero, Absolutely. Rey Mysterio even Sean did it. Sean yeah, did like, him sometimes. Yeah, like, to, but again, for cruiserweights, it was always kind of like it was another move in the mix. Like it's a, true. Like, you know and it's it actually, is? you know, for cruiserweights, it's used as a very effective counter to like a, a Hurricanrana. Right. And it's it's always faster. There's no holding them up or anything on a cruiserweight version. Right. It's, it's just, just like, like it's just like, boom, snap, boom, like hit it and then go for the pin immediately. Right. Like, you know. But the thing is, is that uh, in terms of finishing moves, no cruiserweights that I can think of use it as a finisher, right? No, although I, I have seen Dean Malenko win a match or two with it. Oh, that's um, fair. Um, but it was always a counter. It was like a counter, like, power bomb. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was never just like, I'm going to pick you up and set you up for the power no, bomb, right? No, it was like I got flippity flued and then somehow <laughs> I landed in such a position where I could do it, so I did it and I won. Right, fair and, enough. You know, so are we counting, if we're counting the Razor's Edge, which technically that's a crucifix power bomb. Mm-hmm. That's the name of the move. Uh, then last ride counts, and yeah, last ride would technically count as well. Now, so the last we got, ride again is a sub move, though it's not his um, finisher. No, it was his finisher when he stopped using the tombstone. Remember, I thought it was just he also had the tombstone like all at the same. He never like got rid of the tombstone when he was yeah when he was the biker. He never used it. Really, he hmm. used it the one time when he came back in his actual return in the tombstone Triple H or whoever it was. You mean Kane in the return of the dead man? No. In oh. 2000. Oh, when he you mean that? In. Okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah, that return. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that return! Uh, he used it uh, when he interrupted that match between Triple H and The Rock, I think it was, right? right and he had a duster on it. Yeah, he had the duster. He used it the one time, but then he busted out the last ride until he became dead again. Yeah, there was also UFC Taker, but it was all during <laughs> yeah. the same era. Yeah, that whole thing. Yeah. Uh, so those should all count. I think it's a great move in terms of wrestling. Oh, yeah. I think it's one of the more devastating moves it's closer. It makes sense. It's closer to the pile driver as far as devastation. It is, and if you did it to someone in real life, it fucking hurt. Yeah, and honestly, I always, I know it wasn't popular, but I enjoyed when I first got into wrestling. The power bomb was pretty hot, as it was the reason Shawn Michaels was allegedly injured. Oh, true. When I first, and I always thought that they always protected that move, like they always acted like this move fucking hurts. Like you could like kill somebody with this. You know what? And WCW. I'm giving them credit for once. Listen mm-hmm. to that. They lucked into Giant had bad luck. Paul yeah. White. They lucked into a hot angle surrounding the power bomb when Kevin Nash legit like injured Paul White right. doing and it. Now I. But they built the band. They banned the power bomb. Right. So I actually love how this was handled because first of all, it was an accident. And one of the things I I just wanted to be said about Kevin Nash here. I do appreciate that when he messed it up, it's very clear he breaks character and he starts to talk to him. So I don't want to like crap on. Kevin yeah, Nash. no, like, I'm not. That's he, a hard thing to do to it, power bomb Paul White. Right. And when Paul Good White Lord. lands, 
Nash immediately goes face to face with them and he says, are you okay? Yeah. Like, I, I, you know, I lost you there. Yeah. Like he stood and, and then, you know, you can tell he motions them to just keep going. Yeah. Like, and then Kevin Nash kind of celebrates and yeah, they went into that great angle. Great angle where it was banned. Yeah. And if he used it, it would how That's how you get a move over. Right. Right. It, well, it was accident, but, but I know, but that they capitalized on it like classic wrestling style. Yeah. Like now it's banned. And if you use it, you get. I think they got fined like fifty thousand dollars or high. I forget what the fine was. Yeah, yeah. But then that make that tells the crowd, oh shit, this thing is very devastating. Right, because we've seen it like de- and the giant, no less. Like, the giant. The, like, yeah. like, uh, that's a devastated the giant, the biggest guy in the company. Right. It's me, Sharon. Someone's gotta say it. Good fucking sound, WCW. You ass clowns. No fucking wonder you micropenis turkey fuckers went out of business. Good the fuck job. Come guzzlers. Yeah, not only does it carry legitimate cred, meaning if you did that, if, unless you do it to your friend on a bed, like, safely, mm-hmm. but other than that, that shit hurts. If someone was able to get you in a position... Like mm-hmm. a really strong person. Well, where you land on your neck. I mean, if yes. you land on your back, it's whatever. Uh, if you but, break your fall, right? Yeah. But if they get you up and throw you down, that shit's going to hurt. So it has that going forward as far as right. a, a legit finisher. And there's been so many angles centered around it. Like, again, like the giant one, but also the Shawn Michaels one. Yes, yeah, so um, it put, put him out of action with three power bombs. Right? right, yeah. And that was that led to his not only his face, his big face turn, but also, like, they kept him in the dark for Six a month weeks, or two. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah it's because of it. And it was pretty good. Overall, great finisher. I think uh, it has some some strong possibilities for the rankings. Oh yeah, it's a good move. I mean, to me, it was always as a kid. It was one of the first finishers that really seemed like absolutely de- devastating to me. Like I was, like, I, there's like, how could anyone kick out of this? Right, like, and especially when I remember Diesel. When I started watching Diesel, was the Intercontinental Champion, right? And I remember seeing him uh, fight Razor Ramon on <laughs> SummerSlam '94. And the way they built the jackknife, I had seen the jackknife. Yeah. I was like, holy shit, if he hits this jackknife on uh, Razor Ramon, it's over with. And I always liked how they did it with Kevin Nash, too, because it was like a drop version. So it seemed like a little extra less devil. Like there was less control as you fell, which like, yeah. could, like really fuck you up. Like you were into a free fall, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Great name, too. The jackknife is a good right. name. Yeah. The truck, truck driver gimmick yeah, and all it's that. Good. <laughs> it was good. It's excellent. So uh, that is the power bomb, which includes a couple of variations there. We'll see how that fares. But now it's time to find out which move drew number eight. It begins with the war-born development of DDT, this diabolical weapon of modern science saved millions of humans, but killed billions of insects. Well, Quinn, it is uh, in the intro, actually, is a uh, drunken Jake Roberts mm-hmm. chanted at Heroes of Wrestling. It is the DDT, yeah, Michael. The, uh, Damien's Dinner Time, whatever they call it. Um, <laughs> now, do, do, do we need to address the name first? Like, yeah, please get the, the, the okay. name out of the way. Everyone needs to calm down that there's like some kind of abbreviation. It's just referencing like the plant thing, like the, yeah, the, the, the thing the, that... The killed, pesticide. The pesticide, yeah. 
basically it was like a pesticide in like the 40s, 50s, and 60s or something like that. And then some, sometime in the 60s, or I don't know when exactly, they, they realized, oh shit, this kills people, not right. just the weeds. <laughs> like, and they were like, let's not, and they just like banned We don't use they this don't, anymore. So nobody's used it for like 50 years at this point. Like, right. <laughs> so, but it's Jake, a great sounding name. Jake the Snake also is a guy that probably, you know, this was in the 80s, so he grew up when it was yeah. around or whatever. So, and everyone knew what it was when mm-hmm. he started doing it. You know, so yeah. the, the name DDT was associated with death, Essentially. basically. Yeah. So it's a great name. The move itself, from my understanding, which is always so interesting about the DDT to me, Joe. Go ahead. Is that it seems like such a basic move, but it was just never done. Like before yeah. before Jake and maybe like somebody else. Yeah, but like around the time when Jake adopted it, it was brand new. It was a new move regardless. Apparently there was this wrestler named Black Gordman in the... Uh, yeah, Mexican wrestler. Well, I guess used it in the seventies. Seventies. Right. That's, that's still new, for like a wrestling move. It is, and we saw Adrian Adonis use it around eighty five. I don't know if he used it much earlier. So he wasn't even the first. Jake wasn't to use it in WF, but right. nevertheless, yeah, it was still a, a relatively unknown, maybe not popular move, right? Until Jake Roberts, and yeah, it's a very basic move. You get him in a front face lock as if you're going to do, you know, a vertical suplex. But, but this is the execution is the important part because a lot of people don't do it right. It's that short, quick drop, like on the front of your head, I guess. Yeah, on your forehead. Yeah, like because <laughs> some, it's sometimes like the bridge of the nose. I always feel like when yeah. it's, if it's done correctly, like it right. looks like it looks like it hits you in such a man- manner where like you're actually like getting straight fall into the mat like yeah. and, and just literally the the force of hitting the mat is knocking you out yeah exactly it's instead of going up for a vertical play the wrestler that's doing it falls back with you right and drives you into the mat right while you're in that uh front face lock right great and quick finish what added to its mystique i think especially is that it was done to Ricky the Dragon Steamboat on Saturday night's main event, which was on national television, and a lot of people saw that. And it really legitimately got knocked him out in, in '86 on the on the outside, like early in Jake's run. Yeah, on the outside. Let's um, mention on the yeah, concrete, right before they had mats. And then all of a sudden, I think it clicked with a lot of people that, oh no, this is really, really devastating. And I think the DDT was such a cool finish by that point. That it is partially why Jake got over as a face, right? Like, organically, ever since that '86 incident, not until the Undertaker in '92 did anyone ever kick out of this thing. That was it. I think you're actually right. I don't yeah. think that's WWF hyperbole. No, I, it was so protected. I don't like, think he ever. I don't think anyone ever kicked out because he didn't fight anyone that would have kicked out of it well, anyway. And you also have to look at the reaction, especially on pay per views. I always notice it. The reaction to the suggestion that the DDT is coming oh, it's huge. Is, is huge because it's so well protected. Jake Roberts was a master of psychology. We're focusing on Jake doing the DDT I, because he was the main yeah. one that used it as a finisher. Right. Right. Yeah. And there's tons of variations. But it was protected. It was so protected. It. And Jake being a master of psychology, the execution of a DDT, like you said, was a plot point in his matches where this where a heel like, let's say, a Rick Rude. Right. Or a Honky Tonk Man or a DiBiase, which all three great feuds, by the way, mm-hmm. <laughs> for Jake, yeah. uh, would have to evade it if they even felt it coming on. Right, because it was just like, uh, you. the fall is so short, you have to react immediately. Yes. Like, you have to, like, I'm in, I'm in a position where this could happen, I need to get the hell out of here. Right. And it works great if you're a face, uh, especially Jake Roberts, because... 
what's great about face finishing moves is that quick snap impact. It's just like that'll pop the crowd. You know, right. it's like boom DDT. Yep. There's no like setup really. No. There's not a lot of lumbering around and, and Jake signaling had a, couple, a little bit. Jake had a couple of setup moves. I always thought a the little. short clothesline was his like because he could pull you in and instead do the DDT. Yeah. That's why that short clothesline move was included in like some of the like the fake outs of it. Correct. Because like the idea that he would just pull you in and DDT you but usually he would switch it up and yep. be like, no, 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 not doing that short clothesline. Yep. And is the DDT maybe the first finishing move ever where its name was chanted? Yes. The chant for it. I mean, as soon as Jake would come out, it's like, it was just like, <laughs> yeah. we, we want the DDT. Right. Like, it's like, DDT, DDT. Like, holy shit, the move is over. Yeah. And they know who does it. Right. Like, you know what I mean? They, they immediately hear that music. They see that snake on his yep. back and they're like, oh man, DDT, it's coming. No, no one was ever chanting flying elbow. No. No one was ever chanting leg drop or camel clutch and or cobra clutch. That's not to say clutch. that certain moves weren't um, super over. Of course like they the were. Like the splash prior. But that didn't like, get yeah. a chant. Right. Now, obviously, we mentioned there's a lot of variations. Uh, the inverted DDT, you might know as the slop drop if you were a fan of the new generation. Yeah. But that's one of them. The tornado DDT is a cool move. Mm-hmm. It's another move just like the power bomb, where cruiserweights kind of took it and oh, yeah. made it part of this, like... The repertoire. The repertoire, yeah. Like, and I... They, it's actually one of the things I love about cruiserweight wrestling is right. that every move becomes a sub move, and that makes things a little interesting. It's true, yeah, because no cruiserweight has a has like a super impactful move, so it's like a little bit they spice it a up little a little bit of, bit of everything, right? Like it's I, true. probably like everything on this list that we've done that yeah. we've listed is been in even the Doomsday Device. I'm sure there's some cruiserweight uh-huh. tag team that did that shit. I'm absolutely positive. This is like a sub move. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's true. But in terms of being a finisher. Jake did it the best. He's the best. Jake's the best. Jake's the best. Uh, it was a huge finisher in the 80s into the early 90s. And then even for some of the heavyweights, it became, you know, by the mid late 90s, it wasn't a finisher anymore unless you were Jake Roberts. Yeah. And honestly, it's it, I hate to say it, but really the the day it died was the day the Undertaker kicked out of it. It was never treated ever again. Like it was what it was. And it, it's what a run to have where you're like, this move is certain death. And then the dead man kicks out of it, and then it's... Passing of the creepy torch, like we've always said, Quinn. You know, that match, you look back... It sucks, but... It sucks, but it had such significance. It did. Even to the DDT. No, it really did. Like, you know (laughs) what I mean? It did. um, Very deep, Quinn. Yeah, very... uh, Very philosophical here. about this. It's Uh, it's a lament, if if you will. Well, anyway... But there I you think, have it, the DDT. I, and uh, one final note, I think if when used properly and promoted properly, it should or could still be a finisher to this day. Yeah. If executed right. If, if protected. The right guy's doing the, the, the it. The problem I know. that we always have today is most moves are not protected. No. Like, even, like, the F5, that's supposed to be, like, one of the most devastating yeah. moves. It's you, Brock Lesnar has to do it, like, 45 times now to win. All finishers now, like, I feel yeah. like, have to be done 45 times, which is part of the problem. Unless the wrestler's brand new. That's, that, true. that's the only and thing getting him over like right? it took a, it took a while before sister abigail was kicked out of for example like because why it's like a newer character fair all right is it ranking time yeah I let's think we... let's let's do it all right so quick rundown again it is the number one pile driver slash tombstone number two is the stunner three doomsday device four the sharpshooter five's the super kick and six is the perfect plex quinn uh we're starting with the power bomb I think instinctively it's better than the perfect plex. Yes, one hundred percent. It's better than the super kick and the sharpshooter. I think it just okay just leaps leapfrogs those, and we start at Doomsday Device. And on on what merit? The impact itself. Yes, and the, fact the impact. That it, it was it's over just, as a finisher. It's absolutely devastating. There's nothing much to say. It's like as a kid, it was 
it was the finishing move for a while. Like I've never, there's never been. A yeah, move, you're right. Like to me, it was like a, a power bomb is it. Like but, that is that is that is absolutely it. You don't think the fact that it was also used as a transitional move by cruiserweights hurt it at all? No, because here's the here's the interesting thing about this that I always found fascinating. Around the same time, the power bomb was established as this horrible, devastating thing, right? Like in the early nineties. Yeah, in heavyweight wrestling, the cruiserweights yes. came along very shortly afterwards, and I always thought that that was such a punctuation mark on their match. It was before the cruiserweights were ruining moves. It became interesting. It was so interesting to see them do it while simultaneously there was guys doing the power bomb as a finisher, okay. devas- like super devastating. Okay, fair enough. And it, I thought it was actually interesting because I was like, well, these guys are smaller, so they can't have the impact, the same impact. They can do a power bomb, but it's not as it's not as insane as Fair. the big dudes because they're heavyweight. It's like 300 pounds falling down. Like, right. You know? Okay. Instead of 170 or whatever. And while we're talking about the powerbomb, something just came to me that I think we should mention. There's another angle that surrounded it, which also would tie into Rick K's question of what angle had a promise and was a dud. Mick Foley was powerbombed on the cement by Vader in WCW. Right, yeah. Which was a huge shocking. They made a huge, like, serious stink about it. I mean, it looked pretty bad. Yes. (laughs) When I saw it. And that had a lot of potential, and of course it led to the amnesia thing. (laughs) So there you go, Rick K., another one for you. Uh, But, okay, I'm with you. The super kick was fine, but not like an all-timer. The powerbomb's more of an all-timer. It does have the pop. That a power bomb can have, as far as like the yes. key, the, the, the speed and like velocity, a, like a DDT kind yeah, of yeah. right. But it's still not better. And it's the, better it's, than the sharpshooter as well. Yeah, you the, think the sharpshooter? You got to sit in that for a while. I mean, the power bomb is just boom, death, like death, done. Doomsday device, though. We got a lot of cards and letters about this one, and mm-hmm. we didn't rank it high enough. Thoughts? Here's my only problem, and maybe it's a stupid problem with why <laughs> the power bomb is better. Okay, is that the power bomb is a one man thing, and the doomsday device is a tag team move. I hate to say it. I mean, that does like kind of automatically gimp it a little bit. Yeah, but in terms of tag team moves, Doomsday Device is the, probably the best tag finisher ever. Well, I mean... Or up uh, there. Maybe not. You know, I've always thought, you know, this wasn't mentioned when we did the pile driver, but the tag team spike pile oh, driver God. is, like, pretty fucking horrible. Like, if, yeah. if that shit happens to you. The Brain Busters did a yeah, great yeah, version exactly. of it. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's like, oh, it's a pile driver, which is our number one move, but except a guy, like comes down and like jams like, you by the worst part <laughs> yeah. and like makes it horrible <laughs> yeah right <laughs> like, literally know? like adds to it yeah power bomb versus doomsday device power bomb versus doomsday device yeah what do power you think bomb. about it because i because you know my opinion of the doomsday device i know but i uh, and i, I know. still ranked it high you did yeah doomsday device won tag titles for the lod Powerbomb won world many titles. titles for many people right like, <laughs> won world titles for yeah, uh world titles for kevin nash yeah. mainly but I'm sure other people. Not that the Doomsday Device really qualifies for world titles, only the tag titles. World tag titles. World tag titles, yeah. The variation of it was used by The Undertaker rather notoriously. Mm-hmm. Was used by Razor Ramon. Right. And a lot of other wrestlers. Diesel, Kevin Nash. Right. Vader. Vader. Yeah, a lot of big names. Um, um, even Cruiserweights used it, which was pretty cool. The Doomsday Device was over. Very over mm-hmm. finishing move. It was yep. one of those moves like a stunner, like a DDT. Where when it was being set up for and when it hit, the crowd went crazy. The weird thing about the Doomsday Device, though, is the impact only is from the clothesline. The fall is kind of like less impactful than a power bomb, let's say. 
Yeah, but it's like a one-two punch, Glenn, because you're getting close on and then to falling. To me, the doomsday device is kind of like dominoes. It's like you hit him off. No, I thought you meant the pizza place. No, no, no. I mean like actual dominoes, like a domino effect. It's like right. you hit him off, and then if he lands on his neck on the way down, he might, you're he might not. You're a bunch of cheesy bread. You're a bunch of cheesy bread, and you need uh, to be put back together again. <laughs> So. There you go. Ah, man. It's actually tough, though, because I don't want to shortchange the Doomsday device. Mm-hmm. I really don't. I like, don't it's either. It's a great finishing but move. I, I, Powerbomb is like a... Almost iconic. Almost like iconic. A, it's like almost a number one to me. Like, per, uh, personally, I've always really thought the Powerbomb was just crazy. I really did. You don't think, though, because the one thing is the Doomsday device is not used by too many people as a sub-move, whereas the Powerbomb is. You don't think that it dilutes the Powerbomb at all? Here's Quinn. the problem is tag team wrestling isn't as big as it is now, or, or was then, I mean. Yeah, I know. And, like, the Doomsday device is pretty limited to tag team matches. Like, you Well, yeah. I don't know how you would do that by yourself. And when it's you break impossible. It, when you break it down... You put him on a chair or something? I don't understand. Like, what you... Like, <laughs> Maybe. When you put him on a high chair? It is a clothesline. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a clothesline off something. Yeah, but okay. off of another guy. That's this. It's good. It really no, is good. It really good. is good. It's just fuck. This is harder than I thought it would the be. Pa- I think the power bomb edges it out. On not what even, grounds? Not even slightly. I on just, what merit? On just the like, it's quick. It's devastating. It can be done on the fly, or it can be done in a setup. Okay. Like, um, it just it kind of has. It's like a five tool player of finishers. The five tool player. Yeah. <sighs> okay. And it was. Uh, a prestigious move, meaning it won titles, it was protected, it was it respected, be, it, it had mo- angles surrounding it. Can be it be modified. Fine. Yeah. Okay. It, and like, yeah, like you said, it can have angles around it. Yeah. It's like, it's pretty, it it has the credentials, let's put it that way. It, it does, and uh, number two does as well right now, the stunner. The stunner is more of a iconic finisher to the wrestler. Yeah, um, I think we, I, I still think we might have botched putting the stunner above the doomsday, know, but... The science is always fine. The science until, is final, so um, sorry. But, but I do think the power bomb defeats the stunner now that is not to say the one thing the stunner does have for it is that um it won world titles on two mike no no no. yeah but what i was gonna say is that it was like this iconic move and as good as the power bomb is it never reached the how big a deal the stunner was but uh, no it didn't that's all i mean is that any wrestling it kind of like how the leg drop which i still don't understand was why the fl- <laughs> on the flush but like how like wrestling yeah, really. fans like identify wrestling with the stunner a lot they do but they, i think the power bomb yeah the power bomb pile driver yes but i'm just saying the power bomb will never because it was never associated with a wrestler on the level of stone cold steve austin right it will never reach the heights that the stunner in, in popularity i mean True, but I think it is one of those transcendental moves like the stunner and like a pile driver where people that don't watch wrestling still know what a power bomb is. Maybe they might not know what it's called, but they know like they see it and they're like, "Oh, that's pretty." That's like, wrestling. Yeah, that that is that, and that would hurt. Yeah, and like you, like I've seen even in like combat video games, like I don't know, like fighting games or whatever. Yeah, fighting or even just like like a final fight where you're punching someone on the side. Like what I just mean to say is that a power bomb is a move that makes it out of wrestling like it makes yeah. it into like street fighting kind yes, of games or right. street fighting in general like it absolutely and Quinn. if a person's a wrestler type especially it's like they always got the power bomb yeah, or like, a pile driver yeah or the pile honestly yeah. so there so, you go i think actually if we have to throw if because when you get in the top three folks you're you're getting into some pretty narrow criteria where you have to really Mm-hmm. file it down and whittle it away to choose because you can make a case for the stunner being number one technically or uh, just based for, you know on the I mean? popularity alone right I, I really 
truly believe the stunner at, it's right up there at one point i mean hell i mean there was just a raw on msg or whatever and stone yeah. cold stunned people and everyone yeah. knew what that was like exactly. 20 years later or whatever like but like it, you said it was tied to the wrestler more than anything right it's when stone cold does that stone cold stunner yeah but people, when people know and like they would be in like commercials and shit yeah, the stunner like a big the, move yeah the stunner was definitely a big move does that keep it above the power bomb though because as a finisher i don't think so because yeah. i think the power bomb I think I answered my own question when I said like it transcends wrestling. Like if anybody, if anybody is loosely associated with wrestling or even like a character in fiction, right, is a wrestler, right, the power bomb will just be in one of the things that they do. It's a wrestling thing. I think we can maybe term it this way: the stunner might be the more iconic move, but mm-hmm. the power bomb is a better finisher, right? In the context of wrestling, it's just a better finisher. Now, power bomb and pile driver. Tough. That's really hard for me to be honest with you the pile driver is the incumbent you know we have to find a reason mm-hmm. why the power bomb could be better i don't know if i have one i think the pile driver stays tombstone because it includes the, the tombstone so, so the power bomb the majority of the time it doesn't just break your it doesn't break your neck all the time only when it's like incorrectly done <laughs> like i guess my point is the devastation <laughs> level of each is like the pile driver is explicit in the devastation that it's doing the power bomb it can hurt the bottom of your back the middle of your back or your neck and it's right. like usually it's the safer version <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> like, and it's like the pile, pile driver is just a fate worse than death it's it, it's it's at a fictional level, and I know people have broken their necks and oh, no, suffered no, no. horrible yeah, injuries, no, no, no. but from that. a fictional wrestling level, yep. it's like a pile driver could end your career and in real life could put you in a wheelchair for the rest of your life. Yeah, and another move, if we're talking wrestling, that had angles surrounding it too, just like the powerbomb, mm-hmm. it won titles, Yeah, uh, and it's not just tied to one wrestler. Right. I, th- I say we just keep it, Quinn. Okay. I think it's close, but it, since it's the incumbent... Mm-hmm. I can't think of a reason why the power bomb's better. They might even be equal, but it's not better. Right. I so agree. Keep... okay, power bomb at two. Now the um, DDT though. Now the I wanna, DDT. Like, I want to rock it way up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So the DDT, right? I think it's another wrestler associated move. Oh, it, so it is. I think we start it at Doomsday Device and to then be fair. see if it can. So we're definitely saying it's better than the perfect plex. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Per super kick, sharpshooter. It is, yeah, it's better than all those. But it's versus Doomsday. I think Doomsday is a good gatekeeper. A good gatekeeper. For the supper tier, yeah. Because Doomsday was over with the way the DDT was. Like, it was an over move. Mm-hmm. You saw the Road Warriors come out on NWA or even WWF, and you're like, holy shit, Doomsday device. Fuck right, them up. Right, yeah. You know, fuck up. They're, they're dead. Fuck like, up they're the not, pasty job. They're not going to beat that. Correct. Right, yeah. So the DDT had that same quality. The stunner had that same quality. All these moves now, we're getting into upper echelon, yeah. the elite. So Doomsday Device, the one thing that I personally feel about it, comparatively to the DDT, I think the DDT has the edge in psychology. Oh, definitely. Because the Doomsday Device is very overt when it's being set up. Yeah, there's no it, fucking there, around. There's no, like, you don't... It can't be faked. It's not like you can, like... You're going through the process of putting right. someone on your shoulder. Like, you can't, like... There's yeah, no it's, de- been, it's been countered or whatever. Like, maybe a Hurt Karana or, like, the... What's the forward version where you, you like... A victory f- roll? Victory roll, yeah. Um, but there's no uh, Doomsday Device out of nowhere. Yeah, The exactly. way there could be a DDT out of nowhere, the right? The DDT's <laughs> got the out of nowhere quality. Why is it, is it... I hope the RKO makes it, because I really think it's a great finisher. But anyway... Find out in two weeks. Um, yeah, the... The Doomsday Device... I think the Doomsday Device, great move... It doesn't have the same psychology that the DDT has. And I think that's really where it falls short of the DDT. 
that's DDT is devastating. True, the Doomsday Device is devastating. One thing about the DDT though, it never won a world title. Well, I mean, for Jake, it didn't. But anyway. it's associated to a wrestler that didn't need the world title. The DDT, fair. It was. I think it was understood by the fan base at the time that if Jake executed the DDT on Hulk Hogan, he would lose. Oh, yeah. I, 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 no joke. Or like, at the very least, people would want to pay to see what would happen if he did execute it Remember on the whole the, the whole mystique about the, 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 the non-started feud or yeah. whatever between yeah. Hulk Hogan and Jake the yes, Snake? Yes, like, absolutely. But, like, people... The reason why that had so much fuel to it, like, people really wanted to see it, is because the DDT was recognized... Well, yeah. ...as, like... A there's, devastating like, Even if Hulk Hogan, like... Hulk Hogan could avoid it, but if he, he fell in it, like... The fans it's truly over. believe yeah. that Hulk Hogan would definitely go down to the DDT. Well, another thing you got to remember, it had a banning angle when Jimmy yeah. Hart tried to ban it. Right. Remember, not Bobby Heenan, Jimmy right. Hart. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll <laughs> go over that at WrestleMania 4. Yeah. But it did. It had angles surrounding it. I think it goes above the Doomsday Device on this also. Yep. People chanted for it. <laughs> right. Now, here's... An, uh, but it's up against another move that people chanted for. It's the, the same stunner. thing, almost. Yeah, this is... They're the this same is thing. very, very similar. And the only thing I'm gonna say here... Yes. Is the one thing the DDT has, the only thing that it has over the stunner. Yeah. They're, they're equal in psychology and, like, popularity and Probably. all that stuff. It's just the 80s versus the 90s. I think the DDT's got... It's got it beat at the devastating level. The DDT is... Is way more like it, it, it like we've seen what it can do and we we yeah. know as as fans from seeing that if someone falls and people did get legitimately knocked out on the mat too like jobbers and stuff over yeah they the years. would yeah it's, it has an element of danger to it right the the stunner is more well i assume you could i guess if you did it wrong or something you could break someone's like you can like hurt them. Chin muscles least, yeah. or whatever. Like, chin muscles. I mean, chin, like bone, uh, jaw. Chin. I always say chin, jaw. Chin jaw bone. bone. Yeah. Yeah. You could break someone's jaw, but breaking someone's jaw and knocking them out are two completely different. Yeah, they're both inconveniences, I'd say, mildly at least. Well, knocking someone out is probably a lot worse. Probably. Yeah. Uh, but the stu- the stunner was more just like Austin's signature fuck you more than mm-hmm. it was ever put. I mean, it will, believe me, it won. I'm not saying it didn't win matches. Oh, no. But it was also used as a fuck you. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was a taunt on top of it. It was. Now, it it was also portrayed as a devastating finisher. However, the DDT just as devastating, if not more so. Yep. And the DDT, I think, it's really hard because they both transcended their time frame, meaning the DDT now is still probably associated in a lot of people's minds with Jake Roberts. Yeah, anytime a wrestler does it... There's thoughts of Jake, you know? There's thoughts of Jake, and and I've even heard people after it's done chant DDT like they used to, kind of as a... Yeah, tribute. As a tribute. They'd be like, yeah, remember DDT? DDT, Yeah, remember DDT? Like, like, whisper, like, deep voice chant, or whatever that is. Is it better than the stunner, though? I mean, it's it might I be. What, I think it's better. Yeah, I think it is too. It I might be one better. of the best finishers of all time. And so. actually, I was as a kid, I was personally interested when even drunk old Jake fought. Oh Stone yeah, because I was like, well, they both got big finishers, you know. <laughs> Good yeah. point, King of the Ring. Yeah, I think it's number one actually because it's got all the qualities. Of, oh, Whoa, number. I one. think it might be Quinn. Whoa. Okay, wait a second. Because number. all I'm going to tell you why. Okay. Hold on, what power bomb? It's gonna be the power bomb. Yeah, it's gonna be above the power bomb and the pile driver. Mm. Why? It's because, got all well, the factors be- that the other two do. Well, because okay, so here's the thing with the DDT is yeah. that while I love it, I don't see it as something that escaped like the wrestling fan. The power bomb <sighs> and the pile driver it, it, that that is a big deal to a finishing move. That's that that's the ultimate compliment. 
that things outside of wrestling, not even associated with wrestling, they're aware of the move. I that's that's what I feel is so important about the pile driver and power bomb is that they're like associated with just wrestling and they're understood outside of wrestling. The DDT, if you said that to someone, they might not know what that means. Like, no offense. Like, yeah, I, I know that. Like, a wrestler, a non wrestling fan might not know what that means. But they might know the move, they know what it's called. But if they saw it, they might they, they know might, it. They might know from seeing it, but they might, they, this still, it's, I think the DDT is the highest you get without escaping wrestling. Oh, come on. Like, I, it's a the best finisher probably on this list, Quinn. Come on. You don't think so? Uh, it had its name chanted. The pile driver? Oh, man. The pile driver for decades <sighs> was a was a top finisher. So was the power bomb. So was the power right? bomb. Yeah. So was the DDT. Yeah, but the DDT was actually a shorter shelf life, believe it or as not. As a finisher, yeah. perhaps. I, the pile driver is the longest shelf life as a finisher on this list. Definitely. Shelf pile life. Driver, yeah. Yes. They all had angles, all three of these surrounding them. Mm-hmm. You could build angles around all three of these moves. And the stunner, I know that, yeah. but all three of these moves. I could I could see possibly the DDT higher than the power I bomb, think but so. I don't know if it would beat the pile driver. Fine. Because I really think the pile driver is like, when you're talking about best finishers, you really have to be like, okay, like, what is the. Once you ascend out of like wrestling, what is the perception of this damn thing? Right. And actually, I I I think the DDT and Powerbomb could have been flipped either way. Like I I really think they're so equal to I, each other. I think the DDT was the most over move besides maybe the stunner on this entire list. True. Yes. I think that can catapult it above the Powerbomb. If you can't find a reason to put the DDT above the pile driver, then I can live with that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, personally, like my list. This is just uh, a quint aside. Yeah. I really think it. I really think it, it. That is a great one, two, and three. Is pile driver power bomb yeah, DDT. I, I, I that personally. I, but, I like the DDT above the power bomb. But though. I can I can give you the DDT over the power bomb. Yeah. Because of just storyline and stuff like that. But like it's name. Yeah. Chanted. Yeah. It's name chanted. Yeah. That's big Quinn. Yeah, it's Are just you, the, I, the, the the shelf life of the pile driver is really hard to like argue with. I, you, you I know agree. What I mean? and, and the look of it, and I everything. mean somebody could Zangief. <laughs> Zangief. Zangief also did a power bomb. That's My, what I, like, yeah, I'm not. I'm not joking. Shut up. You're and right, I think though. he did a DDT in like the later games. <laughs> he might have. That's it's why real. these are all. That's Mike why these are too. like one, two, and three are like almost interchangeable. <laughs> yeah. How like, many it, Capcom <laughs> characters use them? That's but, how you but know. I'm saying like. Street Fighter games are not made for wrestling fans. They're made for video game fans. This is the correct. fact that they see the wrestler type <laughs> character doing these moves. It's good. You know what I mean? Nah, it's like that, that that's a testament to like what these are. I you know totally I, agree. You know what I mean? So we'll turn our keys on DDT at number two. Okay. Yeah. All right. So this will finalize the rankings for this week, folks. Why don't we uh, run down the updated list here? At number one, it is still the champion, still the greatest, the Tombstone or the Pile Driver. Number two, the DDT. Number three, Power Bomb. New entries new here. Ones, right at the top. Straight to the top, right? Uh, number four, the Stunner still holding on strong. Hey, Doomsday Device, top five move. Can't argue with that, folks. <laughs> Come on. so mad about that. I don't care. Uh, number six, the Sharpshooter. Eh. Number seven, the Super Kick. Ugh. Number eight, the Perfect Plex. <laughs> <laughs> that is the top eight right now of the greatest finishers in wrestling history. Let us know yours. You can do that on Facebook. Join the group if you haven't yet. You can do this at Twitter at OVP Podcast or email us. But Quinn, when we come back, it's about to get very, very uncut uncooked and uncensored in here uncouth too. and very uncouth it is the first ever monday night raw coming up right after this
It's your last chance, your absolute last chance for no payments till 1989. Now through Monday only during Crabtree High's Mitsubishi biggest 4th of July blowout ever. 300 new cars and trucks, all with no payments till next year. No payments till 1989. New cars and trucks from $59.95, $129 a month, only $95 down. Plus, meet live and in person WWF wrestler Jake the Snake. Hurry, no payments till 1989 definitely ends Monday night. Rush to Crabtree High's Mitsubishi, the big store. Hi, this is Jameson. Remember me? Yeah, me neither. You're listening to Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. It's the best. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. That's it's the name of the show. <laughs> yep. It's episode 147. Now, there's some names of some other shows that we'll tell you about. There's, yes. There's three that we're going to talk about. They have about. names. <laughs> They have names and shows. Right. And they talk about wrestling. Start with the uh, wrestling podcast about nothing. It's our friends, WPAN. It's a show that's hosted by two guys that have actually worked in the wrestling business. One of them actually doesn't really anymore, but he pretends he does. He was a he's, former referee. He's a former referee now. Uh, he's clearly retired. He's just a guy that likes wrestling. He now. likes wrestling. Yeah, just like us. Yeah, just like us. His name is Mean Mike Crockett. He is a great man, a good guy, and he has a good show. Normally, he's with a, a wrestler in a ring of honor named uh, the brawler brian malonis flying city whaler yep. obviously brawler's been a little mia these last few weeks on well, the show he's a contract uh, yeah. wrestler to uh one of the big three wrestling companies that's so, right i mean what are you gonna do? it's hard to do the podcast every yeah. week when you you're, some, you're a big name so we get some fill and host you know brian fury very good job that brian fury does right uh but check out the wrestling podcast about nothing in all seriousness it really is a good show because it's guys that have worked in the business but are also fans. So yeah, they're can, giving you the insight. You know, a little insight and a little outsight as well as fans that have <laughs> grew up watching the wrestling. It's the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. WPAN. Check it out. Also check out, if you like to, uh, if you like wrestling, yeah. but you also want to hear about a bunch of other stuff yeah, in between. Some stuff involving Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah. or the, like the Bruins or yeah. something like that, or whiskey. I don't know, whatever it is. It's Greetings from Allentown. It's hosted by Peter Winton. It is a retro wrestling podcast. He does a singular show. Uh, each and every week it could be an old episode of WWF or WCW or anything else and in his own unique style Petey Winston goes over the show while giving you some context and talking about pretty much anything else that comes to mind G.F. Allentown and Quinn if you like your coleslaw I you like, like your retro wrestling. I like retro wrestling uh-huh. with coleslaw, barbecue style. Yeah, all yeah. kinds of sauce on there. All Hush in, puppies. All <laughs> into that. You know, I went down to Atlanta once, and that kind of food is just. Mm-hmm. I loved it, and uh, you will love then. Book in the territory with Mike Mills and his crew. His home base is the South, so you're going to get the Smoky Mountain wrestling, you're going to get the NWA wrestling, and they're going to do it in an unprofessional style. The most unprofessional that it gets. They pride themselves on that. They do. I'm not insulting them. No, that's what they are. So check out our three friends of the show. We're talking about the wrestling podcast about nothing. Greetings from Allentown and booking the territory. So, Monday Night Raw. I don't remember the episode, but it wasn't too long ago. Not that long ago. We did the very last primetime wrestling from January 4th, 1993, if you recall. We did do that. Now, in that show, which was just Vince McMahon, Bobby Heenan, and Gorilla, and they kind of did, like, some current matches, but, uh, like, kind of some highlights of the Gorilla and Bobby interactions. They reminisced about that, yeah. They reminisced. They mentioned there was this new upcoming show. Yeah, tune in next week. Yep. It's this. Monday Night Raw. Um, because primetime was going away because Gorilla said Bobby ruined primetime or something. That storyline. More like I think Gorilla just didn't want to do it anymore because he was like old. (laughs) (laughs) And Vince was looking to reshape uh, his programming. He had brought in um, 
WPLJ's Todd Pettengill. Uh, my name is Richie Mumu Dorkelwad. Who Unfortunately, had, <laughs> who yeah. started the show two days prior to this called WWF Mania, a Saturday morning recap show. Mm-hmm. Very uh, kids. Kid program. friendly. Yeah, 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 and it ran for several years. It ran until 96. It's like a cartoon. It was almost like, yeah, the Saturday morning cartoons version of wrestling. And Vince obviously did not have Hulk Hogan right now. Hogan was on an extended hiatus. Yeah. So he wasn't using Hogan. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Honestly, yeah. it's hard to tell. And we were, there's a lot of bad things because of it, but there's some good things. There's also. some good things yeah. because of it. And one big change is that primetime, which for the last couple of years had been on Monday nights, was now Monday Night Raw, which was a one-hour live television show from New York to start with. It was only in New York for the first like yep, almost really year. Harping on the live aspect. It's yep. like only in New York City, city that never sleeps, you know? And to Vince's credit, this is a great idea because the WWF, outside of the main event series, you know, like yeah. Hogan, Andre, all that, and outside of pay-per-view... Never was live. Superstars. On their, on their weekly programming. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. Like, yeah. Superstars was canned. I mean, even back to Championship, All-Star, Championship was always canned, yeah. All the, like, all the way back, yeah. All those shows. Primetime was a clip show. All-American was a clip show. All those shows, right? Spotlight was a clip show. Mm-hmm. This was actually going to be something fresh, which was live wrestling every single week. And you were going to be in an intimate setting, not these arenas in Omaha, Nebraska. We're here with history teacher Vince or whatever. Right. <laughs> now, I must admit, but you're saying that premise, right? It really reminds me actually a lot of um, those world classes in the 80s, how it has a live feel to it. The intimate arena. Sure. The, you know, the hot crowd. Absolutely. You know, this is happening right now. Yeah. Which know? is cool. Yeah. Now, Vince was not a master of um, integrating himself into pop culture. Yeah, no shit. He tries to shoehorn a very, like, Saturday Night Live-ish feel sometimes to this show. Yeah. You're like, I'm on top of all the culture, you know? Uh, that's the thing, is, like, Vince took the live aspect of, and he felt, let's make it like Saturday Night Live. A little like, bit. that live. A not, little not, bit. Not the world class in a sweaty arena every Friday night live. Right. You he, know what I mean? He was doing what Vince felt, and I don't think he was right, necessarily, was very modern for the 90s, but I, I, it was a little off-base. A you know little, what I'm saying? But, okay. It wasn't bad. I don't... As this review goes on... We're getting there, to it in a second. There's a the lot way. of things that I don't like, but I have... Mostly, I feel personally that I don't like these things because they aged poorly, because they are yeah. they are comments that go with the times. And my point is, is that I remember Raw in the early days as something that was hot, and the fact that they were talking about pop culture things that were popular at the time was like, whoa, wrestling's talking about this? Do you know what I mean? And it made it feel very live. Right, because they had never been able to do that before because right. they were taped, you know, three, four, five weeks behind sometimes. Exactly. So, so they, I mean, there's stuff that they mention in here that are just in the news. Yeah, like, and it's corny, Yeah, but it's still relevant. How about right. that? You know what I mean? It was it, corny. It, it, it hits the point home that it's live. No. Well, do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! But now, January 93 is not the greatest period for the WWF, as we'll see, but at least they were trying something different, and obviously this show... They needed to. They needed to. And this show was a success. It's still on to this day. Believe it or not, you wouldn't know it from the way it starts here, but... Still on now. WWF Mm -hmm. Monday Night Raw. So let's get into it. This is the first ever Monday Night Raw. Yeah, we're actually doing that. January the 11th, 1993, a cold winter's day, and we have a cold open in cold New York, Mm -hmm. as Sean Mooney welcomes us from outside the Manhattan Center. We are live from the streets of a chilly New York City, but it is about to get very hot here in Manhattan. 
Sean Mooney, it's so weird. <laughs> right? And by the way, can I just say this, like, outside the Manhattan Center look and everything? I love it. There is a weird nostalgia that is invoked in me, because I remember 1993 was actually the first year as a child that my parents took me into the city. And right. just the look and feel, the people in the big overcoats, like, I, we went for Christmas time right? in, in the cold, and I just... <laughs> the way everything looks, like what they're wearing, how it is outside, it's just so like it tinges at the nostalgia for me. It's that that big like New York feel. Like there is a specific like early nineties New York. Everyone's aesthetic. kind of a little rowdy. Yeah, you yeah. There's I mean? just something to that. Yeah. A uh, nice way to open though, in my opinion, is yeah. Bo- Bobby Heenan's going to casually stroll by, but Mooney catches him and explains, "Uh, oh, Bobby Heenan, you're not allowed in. You've been replaced by Rob Bartlett." And Bobby's like, "I don't care about Rob Bartlett. Me either. <laughs> replace? Yes. Uh, by who? It would replace well, me. Rob Bartlett. You're not. I don't uh, care about Rob Bartlett. This is Monday Night Raw. And he argues with Mooney as we just fade to the original Raw intro. So I actually thought this intro was kind of strange, Joe. It felt like a cold. Open like on Coliseum video. Like, <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. It's like the goofing around Sean Mooney. Yeah, that's like, true. You know what I mean? Like, it's he's it, not this, a guy you associate with Raw. This is how I feel like a Coliseum would open if they were like just faking that it was like you know how Coliseum would sometimes be like this is an event we're at even though it's like a bunch of pre-tape <laughs> matches or whatever. Yeah, I know. I know. Like, it's mean. like that's like what I feel like. It's like they gave Sean the prop bucket as usual. And, yeah. Oh, like, we're here in uh, Paris, Your Lordship, yeah. right? You know, like, it's just. Bobby's taking Lord's place yeah, in this pretty case. Much. So the siren hits after the raw intro, and we are live from the Manhattan Center. The fans are pumped, I must admit. Absolutely. They, they, are, they are, you know, hoo, 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 like, you know, like that 90s thing. It's so very they, 90s. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Blame Arsenio for yeah. that one. Uh, Vince is loud and proud here as he welcomes us to Raw, joined by Randy Savage and Rob Bartlett himself. Bobby Heenan's on the outside. Who's on the inside? Rob Bartlett. That's who. Rob Bartlett, I want to talk about him real mm-hmm. quick. Yes, he has a horrible reputation in wrestling. Deservedly so. And we'll, uh, yeah. we'll see why. This is just does he even first. have a good reputation in comedy? Yes. Uh, he does. He was a, yeah, no, no, no. He was a comic for a very popular, I don't think it's good, but some people do, radio program called I Miss in the Morning. Or yeah. I was quack quack. I was trying to do ever Billy so hard. Right. And he's another moron. I say every method. If you watch our live reviews, I Miss is a fixture of jokes about him because he's horrible. And he looks like a fucking Newport cigarette. He's just he's a, like an old cowboy man or something. Like, I don't I'm know. A and, he, and he was wrinkly ranch. like in the I have a ranch. He was like wrinkly in the 80s. And he wasn't even that old because he smoked so much. I'm 107. Yeah. He mm. looked like 107 in like I'm not even that funny. I yeah. just say things. He's still mean. around, but he got like banned because he said some like comments. That I were, retired. Yeah, I some, retired. Like, Off color comments. I don't there. do the radio anymore. Yeah, with my microphone. You, anyway. might, you may have heard of him because of those controversial comments. Yeah, if you're younger, you probably yeah. don't remember Imus in the morning, but right. it was a show for a very long time. And Rob Bartlett was on it. And truthfully, if outside of wrestling, he is. I'm not saying he's like an old time comedian, obviously, or else he'd be very famous. But no. he is a. He's like a witty, like he's he's got a good very nineties comedic. Yeah, yeah, he's got a good comedic mind though. Like yeah, he, he's a I sharp mean, guy. You, you can't you can't get popular in that field unless you were 
somewhat decent. Somewhat decent, yeah. right? He's not horrible. He really isn't. He's but, horrible on this, though. And we'll we'll tell you why. What I like, Quinn, I don't know if you call him Vladimir, or as you call him, Hugo the Superfan, right. is visible like in the background while the announcers are talking in a very proud Ica Pro sweatshirt. I didn't <laughs> notice it because I was, you know, like a lot of times I'm taking notes on these as I go, so I can't I look, look down, up yeah. at everything. Yeah. But um, <laughs> was I, funny. I, I, have all, I was already w- aware of from watching these. Yes, Vladimir the Superfan's there. And like, isn't there some other people? There's a lot of people there. Isn't like... Isn't um, Green Lantern's, Green Lanterns, there. Lanterns yes. there? Yeah, He's like there. a bunch of those kind of people. Uh, Rob Bartlett, I'm sure, endear- endears himself to Vince immediately by saying Yoko Zuma and then talking about how Yoko wears a diaper thing. I- Yoko Beware versus Yoko Zuma. You know, the guy's got that diaper thing going right up there in the middle between the dead man's land and no man's yeah. land. And- Watch out! As Savage is talking, Bartlett's like imitating him the whole time. Meanwhile, Savage is all excited about Undertaker versus Danny Demento. Like, why? <laughs> like, it's just Undertaker oh, versus a jobber. They're going to do the thing or whatever he it's says. It's like a big time match or something. It's like, what? <laughs> Danny Demento is like new and a jobber. Right. Like, yeah. there's no there's, history with him. There's nothing. He just sucks. A high energy's music hits. You, you might know that better as Owen's like 93, 94, 95 yeah, and, theme. And also, why is Coco still in play at <laughs> yeah. this point in time? Yeah, because Coco comes out. I thought he was an AWA or AWF, I'm sorry. That's like 95. Oh, God. Okay. You know what I noticed? To the high energy music, Coco's like clapping thing doesn't work with oh, that music. No, no, no. Like it looks really stupid. And very for- <laughs> weird too. I, that, that attire that, well, that his- also Jim Neidhart has and all that. Like- and Owen. Well, he's got, Coco's got the green pants, Quinn. Yeah, he also looks like a fat jogger. <laughs> his big gut. Like it's so bad. Fat jogger. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know why, but that's a funny. He cute. is. <laughs> Look at him. Uh, it, the, the pants. I don't know. I know, no, I know. To it's me, it looks like workout pants well, or something. He's getting it together. Yeah. Uh, in the ring is Mike Kyoto and two geisha girls. Yeah. Uh, Rob Bartlett with a joke that might be passable in '93 on Imus. You know, I, I was wondering whatever happened to Gary Coleman, Vince. God, he sucks. Uh, Yokozuna's calm, peaceful, soothing music cues up, and <laughs> what a way to be very exciting to start. He's lit up by Fuji. Uh, Fuji still has hair. A yes, bit of he does. I, I noticed that. Savage has a little bit of mic problems as Vince is going on about how Yoko's undefeated. Bartlett tells uh, Vince McMahon now that Yoko needs to spend less time at the sushi bar and more time at the salad bar. He, it just he just won't shut up. Right. Oh, uh, it's like every joke is about nationality or like Fact. how someone looks or something. Here's a problem with what he's doing, folks. In my opinion, no one else. You're not supposed to call Yoko fat ever. Right. He's big. He's powerful. Yeah, he could hurt you. He's strong. You don't make. They don't make fat jokes about Yokozuna. They never did. They never Uh, did until later. Until they until he was actually yeah yeah. Once his push was over. But this whole like build in '93 and remember they're building him to win the Royal Rumble to be the champion. He's fat because he's sumo. Like, yeah, that's like why that, what you're supposed to yes. that he's an athlete. He eats on purpose. Right. Like, you know what I mean? So that he can crush his opponents. Right. And here again, Vince mentions that Yoko is undefeated, and Bartlett's like, with a joke I would make, he's like, he hasn't seen his feet in some time. He hasn't <gasps> seen his feet in quite some time. <laughs> well, that's a good point as well. So again, just more mm-hmm. fat jokes. Uh, you notice this one. Yoko has the white and red tights tonight, not the black and red. Yeah, that was weird, right? Was strange. Uh, and then Bartlett says, uh, that's one big butted oriental, Vince. And Vince is like, uh... He just, he just cannot <laughs> help himself. And like, then, it's so ridiculous. The ass like an amphitheater. <laughs> that's one big butted oriental, Vince. Uh, he's got an ass like an amphitheater. Woo! This is what I mean. Quick-witted, coming up with lines, but the wrong time to be doing this. It's the kind of line... Here's the thing. It's the kind of lines that you would hear in a comedy club. Right! Where, like, <laughs> you're trying to be offensive, right? Like, right, that, trying to be... 
if people don't want to admit it, I think nowadays, but in a lot of comedy clubs, the the, the objective almost is to be offensive. Well, yeah, like you know what I mean. Right, like, right, right. That that is you're, you're trying to be. These are the things you really can't say, like, right? And that that that's kind of it's always contained to a comedy club, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, that's that's kind of how it is. Exactly. But this is just not the time to be doing this on live television when you're trying to get a new show over yeah, in the first like 10 minutes yeah not even yeah <laughs> making fun of the wrestlers yeah that doesn't that's not how you do it anyway bell rings finally as the crowd seems ready for yoko to kick coco's ass uh yoko does his sumo routine to start because it's early in his career when he did the whole thing uh bartlett says yoko should be wearing a bra <sighs> lock up push off by yoko then bartlett segues into a very unfortunate gary coleman impression it's, um, <laughs> it's terrible he's so bad joe uh another lock up same result here. And nothing happening here. Great opening contest. Yeah. <laughs> Literally yeah, nothing. Yeah, Yoko match They're walking to open. around and like looking at each other like most of the time. Coco Zuna. Uh, shoulder block by <laughs> Yoko goes nowhere and then another proud Ica Pro banner hanging from the balcony by the way. As Yoko tries a few drop kicks but get tossed into the ropes big fat leg drop pops the crowd a bit. Bartlett who still hasn't caught on to Yoko being a serious threat here continues the fat jokes and says apparently there's no Japanese word for leftover Vince. Did he know that they were, like, pushing him for the world title? Like, I don't know. Or does he just think, oh, look at that fat guy. That's like, what he's thinking. He's being a comedian. I, I almost wonder if he thought that Coco was going to beat Yokozuna. Right, right. Because he came out with, like, peppy music. Right. And, like, and he's got bright attire. And the crowd's cheering him and stuff. Yeah, like, maybe, like, Rob Bartlett, the, oh, Yokozuna, that's the fat idiot I'm supposed to make fun right, of. Right, yeah. Maybe cause... they told him about Bastion Booger or something. And <laughs> he, he confused the two. Maybe he got Coco and Yoko confused. Maybe. Maybe, Seriously. who Because but... he's definitely using a comedian's yeah. mind here with mm-hmm. all these one-liners. Uh, Yoko with a running splash into the turnbuckles, and he heads up for the bonsai drop. Now he yells, Busty! Yeah, instead what's, of bonsai. And what, I'm like, what's that? what? What is that line? I gotta cut that in, because he yeah. literally yells like, Busty! Yeah, it's, it's so weird. So let's take a listen to that. Busty! The crowd is into this, too, but like in a smirking, like sarcastic New York, where they're like, yeah, sit on him, Yoko. You know, I always felt this as a kid. Because I guess the adults that I was around that showed me wrestling and stuff, right? They always treated Yokozuna was kind of a joke. Like it was Yokozuna, like just just my the people that I grew up around, the adults at least would always be like, "Oh, look, he's so fit. like he like how would that guy ever beat these muscular yeah. people? Well, like he can't even keep up with them." Apparently, that's what the guy on the street thinks because you got one of them doing commentary tonight. Exactly. Obviously, your winner, Yokozuna. As Bartlett says, a record player just skipped in Guam. I laughed at that one. I'm not going to lie. That's okay. Uh, okay, yeah. As we see a replay, though, Vince asks Rob what he thinks, and he says, uh, I think if you skipped a few lunches, we wouldn't need to do that headlock on hunger. <laughs> he's really contributing a lot, isn't he? Yeah. He's really helping. Yeah. Definitely he's helping. making that campaign. Like, there. that's... that. You know what's bothersome so about offensive. that? It's offensive, but it's also like, it's them trying to do a good thing, and like, even yes. that, he has to ruin. Oh, my God. Uh, it's just like, come on! Would you think, Quinn, that Vince is clearly regretting this and we're like eight minutes in? And oh, like, he must. He like, must be, he right? Mu- because it's very quickly before like... It's like a I couple of weeks into like, this. Why don't you do this? And then he, he starts doing like full episode impressions. Elvis. Maybe, the, maybe the thought there was like, maybe we can contain the the offensive comments and it's just like and then they just like no we can't and then he was just gone yeah like, I, I guess I, that's all i can think of by the the character episodes of right. Rob bartlett like <laughs> i know look i like his wisecracks i just don't like him in the context of wrestling yeah it's bad he I, yeah it really is promo quinn for the 1993 royal rumble lots of decline going on here my favorite yeah, event yeah. cut to the announce table now where i notice that mark yeaton is next to randy savage as we see our first raw girl who has hair like a cat 
cowardly lion. Yeah, it's, it's a really nice mullet on this lady. <laughs> she's pretty. It's just I, the hair. Her hair's she's, not. Unusual weather we're having, ain't it? Uh, Vince throws us to Bobby Heenan now, Quinn. Talking about Narcissus. I still don't get the name at all. Yeah, I always explain. say that Narcissus. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's some kind of person in Greek times yes. or something. I, and that, that, that's what Narcissus was named after, right? Okay, yes. In Greek mythology, Narcissus was someone who was in love with himself and thought he was beautiful. It is where we get the term narcissism or narcissist. It is not. Now, retroactively, it seems <laughs> like Bobby Heenan was just saying it wrong. Right. That's what I always got out of it's it. It's not. They didn't say Lex Luger, yeah. You, no one knew that this was Lex Luger, right? Because okay. that was what's supposed to be the reveal. He comes from behind the curtain. Yes. And you're like, oh, that's it's, what who Narcissus is. Exactly. So instead of calling him the narcissist Lex Luger, they just called it Narcissus. And then once he was revealed, he was the narcissist. Yes, Lex Luger. that's yeah. all it is. Like it's not a mistake, is what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's not like Bobby mispronouncing. People think that, but no, it's not what it is. Anyway, it's the same damn promo we've always seen. I think we saw it on the last primetime where Bobby's in front of a silver curtain. He's like Narcissus. Narcissus, like 14 times. Yep. I heard you're asking questions of the other wrestlers. Hey, who is this guy, Narcissus? I don't know! Yeah, the usual fuck Mr. Perfect, Narcissus is better. Also, Bobby's chest hair and v-neck combo is concerning. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's got this weird purple tight v-neck. It's like, bad. Not even like, not <laughs> even like, okay, like, nowadays we wear, like, cotton v-necks, right? Bobby's got, like, a spandex v-neck <laughs> on or something. I don't know what that is. It's just very weird looking. Like, it's made of leggings material yeah, or something, right? it's very strange. Uh, back to ringside, Quinn, where the college music can only mean one thing. <sighs> Yay, we're students! We're the Steiner students! I, God, I, I, Joe... It's like we're from college. Look that, at us. That's like, their it's gimmick. so stupid. Now, they're great in the ring. We're going to see that. Uh, their opponents are two masked idiots, the Executioners. What is this? WrestleMania 1? It's like anytime they're doing the first of something, got to have some Executioners. <laughs> Offhand, I, I'm just guessing here. I bet that's Dwayne Gill and Barry Hardy because that's just who it would I be. Actually, I, I looked at one of them. I thought it was Paul Diamond, to be honest with you. I don't think so, because he's wrestling a little later tonight. Yeah, I just, for some reason, I thought, well, maybe he did double duty or I don't, something. I think it's yeah. Dwayne Gill and Barry uh, Hardy. Well, look at that. You're right for once, executioner imbecile. I guess even a broken stupid clock is right twice a day. Joey Morella's the ref, and he needs a haircut, and in the background, you can see, I like this, in the background, like on the hard cam, you can see Doink screwing around in the background. Yeah, and that's like the first thing they talk about, like, yeah. this is happening, like, Steiners are like, hi, we're from college, and they're like, oh, look, Doink! <laughs> yeah. It's like, who cares? And Steiner's killing one of the executioners with a nice tilt-a-whirl, tagged to Rick, who does his whole, like, running around routine. Doink has his arm in a sling. So Rob Bartlett, this is funny, is like, that's Dork the Clown, and Vince is like, yeah, that's Dork. Yeah. Wait, no, it's Doink! <laughs> that's Dork the Clown? That's Dork. What a name for a clown, Dork. His name is Doink! Doink. It's Doink, not Do you think Vince fucked up? I think he thought, he heard Dork, and he went, he didn't think about it. Yeah, I think so. he went so. on, yeah, Dork, almost kind of like the Bugs Bunny, like, rabbit season, yeah. season thing. <laughs> yeah, and right, like, right. And he just, like, messed up. Like, I, think I think you're right. And I think Savage caught it and kind of gave the cue to Vince. Yeah, like, no, that's Doink. Yeah, exactly. I think it, you're right. In his very Savage, subtle way, where he didn't, like, insult him, he just said, Ooh, that's <laughs> like you know yeah i think that's totally right yeah rick with an irish whip now but the executioner just totally slips and falls into the room so vince you know covers he's like ah nice maneuver <laughs> but that cracked me up yeah. he totally botched it and vince is like ah nice maneuver there by rick steiner <laughs> huge steiner line as bartlett suggests uh electrolysis for rick steiner why <sighs> i don't know because yeah. termical toss and the executioner bails 
So Scott Steiner comes over and does a double noggin knocker to them both on the outside. Good faces here. Like it's like they just like went outside for like a second. They got like knocked out by Rick and he's like, I'm just gonna attack them. Like it's like fuck you. Like I thought you guys were good sportsmanship. What is your college? Yeah, you didn't lose your scholarship. Yeah. Seriously, what the hell? Bartlett then does a very irritating curly impression. An impression, Quinn. So bad that I don't even think you picked up on who it was supposed to be. No, that's I didn't. how bad it was. Yeah, he's like, he was like, why I want? Oh, hey, Mo. Yeah, and I was just like, what? Okay, whatever. And I didn't even like make a comment about it. I was just like, whatever. I think I just put like Rob annoying Bartlett voices. makes annoying voices. Yep, yeah, that's what you had. Hey, Mo. Hey, Mo. Vince, meanwhile, uh, thinks he's in weekend update over here. And who was doing it in '93? Kevin Nealon or somebody? Dennis Probably. Miller still? I, maybe Dennis. Dennis. No, he was gone in '91, wasn't he? That early? Yeah, I think uh, so. It was Kevin Nealon. I thought Nealon. lasted until like 94. Maybe I'm wrong. No. Until it went to like Monday Night Football. That was... No. no he went to Monday Night Football in 2000. It was, oh, that was that late. I, yeah. I always think that's like 96 or something. It was Kevin Nealon and then Norm McDonald took over in 95. That's gotcha. what it was. Okay. Anyway, he brings up how he was reading the New York Times, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, Bartlett's like, get back in the ring, you wussy. <laughs> so... Like, you don't do that. such an asshole. He doesn't know what he's talking about. No, he doesn't. Like, Bobby could do that in context. Right. Jerry Lawler could do that in context. Right. Well, because if Bobby did it, then four seconds later, Bobby looked like a doofus. Yes. Or Gorilla would be like, will you stop? You or know? Savage would be like, yeah, you want to take him, take him in a fight uh, or why something? Why do you say that over him now, Bobby? You know, yeah, you know? exactly. You know. <laughs> uh, it's so annoying. Like, he just doesn't understand. No, he doesn't. Big power slam by Rick, as Vince is now talking about some guy from the Buffalo Bills that's going to wrestle Who here? Cares? What was that? I don't know. Like, nobody cares about that. But, what does, he that, mean, but what does he mean? He's I mean. probably... Okay, I, if I had to guess, and I don't know the exact context What's the or story whatever, here? but like, if I had to guess, there was probably just something in the news about a Buffalo Bills player, and Vince probably just thought he'd bring it up. Yeah, but he mentions he's coming to the WWF. I don't know what he's talking about. He says he's like he's gonna be here soon in the WWF. Maybe that maybe a player got cut for doing some controversial maybe, thing, and Vince yeah. is like, "Oh yeah, maybe." It'll yeah, be maybe. Mitch Ferrat is headed to the World Wrestling Federation. It's stupid. It's regardless. probably all it, it is. It's probably just look up Buffalo Bills January 1993, <laughs> and I bet you you'd find some like <laughs> news tidbit in the sports section somewhere. Maybe about some player that got fired for something. Yeah, probably. That's all that probably is. <laughs> I guarantee you. Scott comes back in with a brutal overhead belly to belly, a double underhook suplex, and their elevated tag team bulldog, kind of a reverse Doomsday device, mm-hmm. gets the win. I'll tell you this, Quinn. Steiners did have some good moves. Yeah, yeah. Good wrestlers from college are good. Like, whatever. <laughs> I know. Like, it's the I, gimmick. I, I get it. It's it the music. It. It's yeah, mainly it's, the music. It's, it's mainly. And the, and the Michigan coats. Well, yeah. Because yeah. they're the same Steiners in the ring that they were in WCW. They're great. They're, just they're good wrestlers. Like, I don't know why I'm supposed to like these guys. They're from college. That's But that's the that's stupid. Who cares? Like, who cares? But Michigan. This is the 90s, Joe, when, like, a lot of people went to college in the 90s. Like... <laughs> What the fuck is that comment? That's awesome. Yeah, a yeah, lot just, of people. I just to... mean that college entrants were were rising. Let's put it that way. Okay. And that, like, it's not unique. That's a funny comment. It's not unique anymore. Like, if it was like the '60s or something. Like, right. That's all I'm getting at. Okay. Uh, Vince throws to Sean Mooney on the outside. It's a very large lady who is definitely not Bobby Heenan in drag. Mm-hmm. Tries to get into Raw. Uh, she's apparently Rob Bartlett's aunt. Of course, it's not Bobby Heenan. Why would that be Bobby Heenan? It's such a weird <laughs> thing that this was thrown in. And like they would always reference it like later in the years <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Vince probably thought it was the most hilarious thing ever. That's yeah. why. Uh, but apparently Detective Mooney over here figures it out. And it's in, uh, like two seconds, yeah. by the way. <laughs> and he gives a very disgusted... 
Bobby Heenan, you know, yeah. <laughs> all mad. Bobby Heenan. Give me I thought I'd seen everything here in the World Wrestling Federation, but the brain in drag. Back to Raw now, where Vince introduces the heel Razor Ramon, who the crowd's actually very into, Quinn. He has a weird checkered shirt thing on. I don't know what that is. <laughs> he's is like a, very Tony Montana. Very, at this point. Like he's oh not gosh. even like trying to be his own person. No, he, early Razor is not not that great. He always stinks. <laughs> like he's not good to like Intercontinental title yeah. thing. Uh, Vic though talks up how Razor's going to be meeting Bret Hart for the WWF title at Royal Rumble. He says that Bret's been doing this for eight and a half years, but Razor is a Johnny come lately. Uh, Razor's like, I don't care. I've been here eight and a half months. Fuck you. Vince brings up the um, <laughs> the Owen Hart clothesline incident. We hilariously get clips of that. Swish swish. Yeah. Like, oh, how are you, Owen yeah. Hart? How are you? <laughs> like it, like glance on like pillows or something. It's so like nothing. Like why is he like supposed to be like dead from that? I don't know, Quinn. It's funny yeah. though. I love it. Uh, Razor says it was fun to squash him like a cockroach, like you said. Again, very Tony, Tony Montana, Montana and no personality at all. No, he's very one dimensional. This Razor, right. as much as everyone loved the vignettes and all that, like he's not that interesting. He's like kind of like Monster of the Month, almost. Lot. Like now, almost. it's like it's just like oh, here's the next heel that. You know, Bret Hart's going to fight. Essentially, it's yeah. not that good. Yep. Uh, Ra- Razor basically says Bret's going to be screwed. Um, not that kind of screwed. Not in 97. And he won't be able to do anything about it. Razor's going to win. And then he'll hilariously throw his toothpick at Vince. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> that was legit. It's just like funny. out of nowhere. Too. Yeah. <laughs> Vince is mid sense. Right? It's like, ugh. Yeah. Uh, now Savage does a headlock on hunger, Somalia relief fund promo. Very nice. Very nice. Rob Bartlett now awkwardly throws, like, all late to Tatanka. Yeah. We're going to hear from. Uh- Native American Tatanka. This is Tatanka, and my people speak to the great spirit. This was very confusing, this whole, like, this sequence of events, because it seemed like they fucked up the timing on, like, everything. Bartlett was definitely off. Um, It's a pre-tape where Tatanka's like, yeah, it's good to help. Yeah, it's like, we're going to beat hunger. This is is it. Yeah, we're doing it. Yeah, (laughs) You know what? When WWF says they're going to do it, or WF, sorry. When WF says they're going to do it, they're going to do it. That's right. That's good. They're going to put the headlock and... That's it. For hunger, it's over. Goodbye, hunger. Back to ringside where Max Moon enters with his, uh, you know, streamers. Bartlett, all sarcastic, is like, oh, here we go. It's robo-wrestler. He's not even incorrect. What was this garbage? (laughs) Like, why was this a thing? Future, man. Future. Yeah, it's just stupid. Well, Vince McMahon had an idea with Conan. It was actually Conan's gimmick to have this futuristic character. Uh, Conan was fitted up for the suit. Right. Vince owned the suit, but it was Conan was fitted up for it. And after, like, I think a dark match or two, Conan left. And Vince is stupid, basically. uh, Yeah. And Vince is like, hey, Paul Diamond still works here. You fit the suit, don't you? You're going to be Max Moon. (laughs) So dumb. Um, It's, of course, Paul Diamond here. Right. (laughs) But uh, Sean's music hits. And he comes out all in red, red leather, with his blue. Ugh. I see title belt. It's it's not really blue. It's like kind of like Easter. Fine. His his pastel blue is periwinkle. (laughs) Very Very periwinkle. Sherry still very pe- Sherry Winkle is still singing his theme. Okay, let's just do that over again. Well, it was fine. It was funny. Oh, it was. Sherry still th- yeah singing his theme. I'll pick it up. Just come back in and say the pudgy era. Just trust me. Okay, the pudgy era. Yes, the pudgy era of Shawn Michaels. Kyoto's the ref again. Lock up on an arm drag by Shawn. A hammerlock by Moon. An elbow by Moon. A series of leap frogs by Michaels. As Bartlett makes a Joey Buttafuoco reference it's here. So nineties. Like it's like extra 90s like anybody who's like going back it's like i want to watch the first row they're gonna hear this if they didn't they weren't alive during this they're like who the hell is joey but if you go yeah and now, uh, i know who joey yeah, Buttafuoco too because we that was kids. like a big fucking thing when we were kids right but they, this makes zero sense yeah we don't need to get into that right yeah. uh, look it up Mary fisher oh god the, stop you know, the whole, you with the whole 
fucking thing. I mean, it was like a big deal at the time. Yeah, and the following year we'd have John Wayne Bobbit jokes. I'm right. sure. So it was like the, they were like version two of yeah. the Buck Hugo <laughs> angle. Yeah, it was like the upgraded in, like in 90s the, in version, the, like New York Post or whatever. <laughs> Exactly. The post. The post, yeah. Atomic drop is evaded by Sean. Waist lock reversed by Moon. Sean off the ropes. Drop down. Leg drop. Japanese arm drag by Moon and the body slam. Good stuff, actually. Yeah, not bad. Not bad at all. Sean bails to the corner. Lock up and a knee by Sean. Irish whip. Duck under by Moon. Drop down. Off the ropes to Sean and the flying hammer lock takedown by Moon. Yeah, that that was rather 80-ish. Just like going into a hammer lock. <laughs> yeah, I, know. Like, I was like, what? The like, very 80s like offense. Like they were doing all these like cool, like progressive moves. And yeah. it's like hammer lock. Yeah. It's like, what? And then they do that as a rest hold. They yeah. lay around in it for right. a while. As Bartlett brings up uh, how David Dinkins is going to fight Cardinal O'Connor next no, week. Again, with the dated, like, David Dinkins, God. early 90s mayor of New York. Yep. Cardinal O'Connor, longtime top bishop to yep. the Catholic Church in the New York Archdiocese, Duch- whatever yeah. it is, yeah. Yeah, so it's like these are very, like, New-, New York figures, but only of then. Yeah. Yeah. And only in New York, really, that yeah. anyone cared. Exactly. So uh, it just makes no sense. It makes no sense. Uh, we go to break. We come back with Sean regaining control here. Bartlett with his best line of the night, and it's just... Yeah, this is very good. It's a non sequitur, and it's funny. He's this like... right when they come back from commercial. Yeah, he's like, you missed it during the break, folks. Shawn Michaels pulled a knife, and <laughs> Vince McMahon's like, stop it, Rob! That was actually very funny. <laughs> It, was good. it really was like the best. You can put it in there, but it, it is oh, yeah. very good. You missed it during the break, folks. Shawn Michaels pulled a knife. <laughs> Stop it, Rob. Stop I'm sorry. It. I'm sorry. Michaels drops a moon across the ropes, stomps away. Beautiful drop kick off the ropes by Shawn. Doink wanders out again as we set up a hideous Mike Tyson bit with Rob Bartlett now. They talk about how maybe Tyson is going to get pardoned by Jack Tunney. Listen, he's not the actual president. Why is this such a problem? Like, they do this for years. They would do this shit where they're like, a message from the president, there would be like a seal and he's stuff. He's very official. He's, like, he's not the president he's of esteemed. the United States. He's the president of the WF, like a fake wrestling company. Like, no. like he Distinguished. Has no, no authority. And he's from Canada. Like, stop acting like he's the president of the United States. Speaking of which, we're nine days away from Inauguration Day, right? In January. January 20th? Are we at this Bill Clinton's Bill Clinton, uh, jazzy inauguration be- <laughs> there? Yeah. Exactly. Jazzy speaking, Jeff. Speaking of 90s, yeah, yeah. Jazzy <laughs> Jeff. Uh, maybe I thought that this Tyson bit was funny. Oh, it's funny. You're talking about a real high voice. I don't think it's funny. No. Uh, roll up by Moon gets two, but Sean punches him. Corner whip by Sean as Bartlett is still doing the Tyson bit. Oh, this is nothing. I see this kind of stuff in the mess hall every day. I hate this. I hate it so much. And like, not it, even a good Tyson impression. He sounds like this. This goes on for like seven minutes. It's terrible. The whole match almost. Like the whole rest of the match. And this is the longest match on the card. Yes. And he just pretends to be Mike Tyson. It's hideous. No, it's really bad. Uh, yeah. And I'm sure you'll describe it. But I mean, it just keeps getting worse. Can you get like more hacky comedian than a Mike Tyson impression, by the way. Like, anyone does that. And this no. isn't even a good one. Inside Cradle gets two for Moon. Sean rakes the ice, continues his stompy offense here. Chin lock by Sean to freshen things up here. And it's a couple of minutes later now, and Bartlett is still doing the Tyson impression. It's absolutely insufferable. And I, the worst part is that Vince... <laughs> at first, I think when I was taking these notes, I think Vince likes it. But actually, what I think it is, is that they're giving him rope for some reason. And, this is and, his first show. So Vince and Savage, they proceed to, like, talk to the impression. Yeah, they're like, like, well, like hi, Mike. 
like it's there. Yeah. Like it's like Mike Tyson's actually there. They're they're going along. Yeah, they're with going it. along with it. And it is poor. I wish they like, weren't. It is horrible. It's terrible. They're like, Mike, what do you think of this? And and Vince is like, Hey, Mr. Tyson, what do you think of that? And oh, like, Buster Douglas. It's like it's horrible. <laughs> and it's not even a good Tyson impression not, either. Yeah, it's That's not a thing. good impression. It's not funny. No. It's just a, it's just annoying. Like we could do it now. Hi, how you doing? I'm Mike Tyson. What do you think of that, Mike? I don't know. I'm in jail. That's like all yeah, it is. And they go on and on about the jail. It's like, okay, everyone knows Mike Tyson's <laughs> yeah. in jail. Yeah, like, it's like just stop. No one cares. There's a wrestling match. It's the they best one of the night, too. They didn't come here for this. They didn't. No one's watching it for bad Tyson impressions, right, no. exactly. Muna elbows out of this uh, chin lock here and gets Sean in a slingshot, sending him all the way over the ropes. And then Moon with a Fez press from the apron. Nicely done. Back into Moon with kicks and uppercuts. Corner whip and a kick. And I swear, and I need to dump this in, Rob Bartlett in his Tyson voice says, Careful now, you missed the dinky. <laughs> but I don't know what he said. Why is he why? Missed the dinky. I don't know. <laughs> oh, look out. Carefully, you missed the dinky. He's just saying things. It's great. It's horrible. Moon with a rolling crucifix cradle for a very close two count, but he misses a splash and Sean nails him with the super kick, which is called a savat kick by yeah, Vince. Not the crescent or anything. No, that's not gor- that's Gorilla's term. And then like after this, he goes for like the teardrop thing. Yeah, right? like from Moon, yeah, Royal Rumble video game. Moon flips out of it, but Sean just grabs it the second time, nails it, yeah. and that was a good match actually. Yeah, it's just still weird that that was his finisher at the time. <laughs> a suplex. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we cut to a very annoying promo now for WWF Mania. Kids jump on their sleeping parents so they can, like, go hang out with Todd, I guess. Ugh. I don't know. Like, it's hard. You know, Todd isn't mentioned in it, but it's no, just but like... No, that's what Mania is. Yeah, that's... <laughs> no, pissed like, wake up, wake up! We gotta watch Todd Pettengill. Imagine, like, your kids waking you up to watch Todd Pettengill. It's like, did you get your free tape? <laughs> like, all the, like, it's like... He just, um, uh, the taxi! Here's, oh. my, here's my friend Stephanie! Oh, okay. like, she's good. Yeah, I'm just... I just mean that, the, like, that's what that show is. Like, yeah, I know. it's You don't want to wake up to watch that. No. Uh, they make sure, though, to mention that Mania is 100% caffeine-free. What a clever joke. Wonderful. Let's go to me and Gene Quinn with the Royal Rumble report. Uh, Gene's somehow still there. <laughs> yeah, like, it I, seems I, like he shouldn't be, it right? It really doesn't seem like he belongs here <laughs> at this point. This report is brought to us, of course, by IcaPro. So much decline, Joe. <laughs> like, just so much of it. Like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> Royal- this looks poor, like this fucking thing. No, it looks, this is terrible. And uh, the Royal Rumble, though, is going to be 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on January the 24th. And 4 p.m. 4 p.m. Okay. I guess that means 1 p.m. in California, right? Weird. That's where it was. I know. Early. Right. Yeah. I would love it if pay-per-view started at 4. Would be nice, And weren't seven hours. Yeah. <laughs> WWF Intercontinental title match Quinn has just been announced. It's Shawn Michaels defending against Marty Jannetty with Sherry possibly picking someone's corner to be as, in. As we, like, see a picture of Sherry dressed like Betty Boop crossed with Pebbles ah. Flintstone Adult Edition. Like, I mean, it's always just a weird... I, I remember that picture from the Rumble. I just thought it was very, like, weird. She looks like some... Cartoon character. Yeah. She looks very cartoon. Well, very cartoon. Sean now cuts a promo where he says that Janetti is very undeserving of a shot. He's right. Like, yeah. <laughs> he just comes in like, I don't like you because remember we were a tag team and that's why I should get a title shot. It's true. Yeah. And Sean's like, no, you stink. And then Janetti cuts this promo where he's like, oh, the Royal Rumble's going to be Marty Janetti Day. He's not right about that. Yeah, he's generally very lame compared to HBK. And that's saying something. Yeah. Because Shawn Michaels 93 is lame also. but He's like, not fully formed yet. No. Yeah. Uh, Jenny's worse, though. Yeah. Uh, Gene explains the Royal Rumble, in case you've never heard of it before. And he runs down some of the participants. We got Ric Flair, Tatanka, mm-hmm. IRS, Bobby Backlund, Jerry Lawler, Mr. Perfect. Okay. So far, so good. Perfect, of course, cuts one of those crappy face promos like yep. we talked about. You know, I'm perfect. It's all perfect. Everything's perfect. I'm going to win. Yep. Everyone sucks. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Such a face. <laughs> Also on the Rumble, Teddy DiBiase, Crush, Rick Martel, 
Yakazuma. Uh, Fuji cuts a promo where he legitimately says, Look at my Yokozuma. Look at my Yokozuma. I don't even blame Bartlett for saying Yokozuma. That's the brand, <laughs> yeah. right? They're saying Yokozuma. That I guess is that's his name, right? <laughs> yeah. And then he yells Yosh. <laughs> yes. Also, his hair is all weird. <laughs> yeah, it is. Like, and, and of course, yes, the Yosh a million times. Yosh. <laughs> Back in the early days, he would just say Yosh a lot. He said but a lot of Yosh. I don't know what that is. That yes in Japanese? No. Or is that even anything? Is he just making that up? I think he's making it up. Okay. Uh, also in the Royal Rumble, Randy Savage, right. uh, Papa Shango, Earthquake, Berserker, Undertaker, that youngster, Carlos <laughs> Alone. Yeah. But wait, there's more. Just announced, Quinn. Oh, boy. Tenaru. Why? Why does he keep coming back? He's horrible. Remember he's also in the 94 Rumble? Yes. He's in the 94. He's always, he never goes. Is he in like 95 no, somehow? No, no, no. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I, maybe I'm just mixing up Dick Murdoch. Like, he's good, though. Dickie is good. It, but it's always weird that he was in that it one is weird. Rumble like years later. You're right. El Matador. Typhoon. You mean Uncle Fred. Yep. Uh, Samu. Well, of course, somebody's got to keep an eye on this. Yeah, Samu's <laughs> got to watch out. Yeah. Uh, Fatu and Jim Duggan. Uh, Duggan cuts a promo. You know, the usual, oh, hey, yep. folks, yelling, folks, 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 or I'll probably not win. You can hear the yos. <laughs> you can definitely hear the yos. Uh, Gene then transitions to the Bret Hart Razor Ramon match, which I like a it lot. It's very, very poor. good. Don't so stop. Good. Would you just stop? Back to Sean Mooney now, who is with a line of people outside, and he says, oh, they're buying what? tickets to next week's Raw, which uh, is taped right after this, right, so, so I don't think so. Basically, he's lying. Yes. I don't. That's so dumb. Uh, now a rabbi walks by, and Mooney stops him and talks to him, and the rabbi says uh, he's got to go see his nephew, Rob Bartlett. Detective Mooney again gives his disgust, and, oh, Bobby Heenan, no, when he realizes it. Yeah, it's... God, it's More so, with this. You know, it was funny, like, at the very beginning. I didn't think there was going to be disguises. Like, that's, like, where it went. Uh, like, even for Bobby, that's a bit much. Well, we've always said, Gwen, uh, 93 was the year of Bobby Heenan's decline it's and his downfall. Yeah, it's definitely... <laughs> everything's declining, and so is Bobby Heenan. He's reduced to not being able to get into Raw. Right. See? But he's, like, there very soon after. Yeah, isn't he just, like, there every week? Yeah, like, an, very they soon. They just, like, ignore any of this happening. Yeah, he's there soon. Yeah. We fade a break, and we come back with a promo to get tickets for the uh, January 18th and February 1st tapings. As the Raw girl, Burt Lar here, leaves the ring, the announcers are still trying to get their whole, like, uncut, uncooked, uncensored bit down. It's horrible. It's so uncooked, all that stuff. Vince throws to superstars now, where Kamala was getting beat up by Whippleman. Yes, this angle. No commentary, by the way. No, it's weird. They stripped the commentary out. Yeah. Uh, Whippleman and Kim Chi are just basically slapping Kamala around until Reverend Slick comes out, but he gets attacked by them. So Kamala makes a save, and you know what? I hate this angle. Back yeah. to ringside, where Damian Demento is in the ring looking so stupid. Who is this idiot? Like, his shoulder pad costume thing looks like a boar ate his head or something. Like, it's like teeth or something. Like, it's eating, and he's, like, popping out. I don't know. I don't... I just don't understand what he's supposed to be. Like, what... Like, seriously, I don't what know. is he? He's crazy. That's all but it is. Who... I don't know. Whatever. He's just, crazy. Yeah, he's an idiot, is what he is. And Rob Bartlett's like, this guy looks like he got his hair cut during a power surge. Vince that wasn't la- even funny. Vince laughs, though, because it's Damian Demento, so it's who cares? It's very corny, though. <laughs> now, this was another funny moment here. When Fink announces, you know, the name Damian Demento, Bartlett, like, mutters to himself. He's like, oh, jeez. And then he's like, well, at least we know he's using his real name. <laughs> that was good. That's good because it's so dumb. Yeah, that made me laugh out loud. He's using his real name. Undertaker now wanders out with the lights still on because it's 93. The bell tolls, though, at the very least. Oh, yeah, we yeah. get a bell toll. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. He paid his toll. This feels very like 
whatever for the Undertaker. Oh, God, like, yeah. This, who is this guy? Yeah, like, <laughs> very uneventful. Yeah. Uh, crowd's happy to see him, though. As Vince McMahon thanks WFAN and Don Imus for allowing Bartlett for being here. Ugh. He shouldn't be thanking them, though. <laughs> Honestly, because why did they send us Bartlett? <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. Yeah, really. Why we, I don't want to thank Don Imus for this. I, I'd like to punish them for sending <laughs> yeah. us this. Bartlett reciprocates the respect, though, by asking Vince who the guy with the martini shaker is. <laughs> Just stop. Like, immediately after, they, immediately after they thank him, he <laughs> proves why they shouldn't be yeah. thanking him. This is fucking ridiculous. Uh, we have a bell and a stare down here. Damien all bragging. Ticker just looks at him like, shut up. <laughs> like, just, no. Like, you're not winning. Yeah. You're not even, like, fuck you. Basically, how Taker's handling this, It's right? true, yeah. Like, Demento tries to <laughs> to do some punches here. They don't do anything. Yeah. Undertaker is not putting up with this bullshit. No, he's like, like I'm not selling yeah. anything for you. Yeah. Who, who are you? Like, who? Like, who? <laughs> <laughs> uh, finally, he he staggers the Undertaker, tries an Irish whip, but he gets slammed face first. We get old school, back when it was just recently built. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice jumping clothes on here as Bartlett makes a uh, gloves and, like, a dishpan hands joke. It's all terrible. Also, Vince talks about next week and how Brett Hot will be here. That's he says that he does. Uh, Brett Hot will be here. Who is from England? New England. It's weird that in in the middle of this Undertaker match that they're talking about next week. I know. They're like, who cares about this? Next week, Brett Hot. Yeah. uh, Good Tombstone gets the win for the Taker. Demento looked like a Joker here, which is what he was. Mm -hmm. Some Vince McMahon humor here, Quinn, as he hypes up a steel cage match for next week. That's right. It's going to be Woody Allen versus Mia Farrow. And seriously, graphics for this like dumpy like one liner joke. It's so lame. Yeah, and it's not even and they're just funny. like pictures from like the New York Post. I'm I'm, I'm they serious are. to like no, they newspaper are. clipping pictures of them. It's terrible with it's bad hor- CGI cage. It's horrible. We come back and Vince is interviewing Dork the Clown here. Vince is mad because Dork makes kids cry. So Crush wanders out as Doink giggles. Crush yells a lot at Doink and says, brah, a real lot. You know that era. Yeah, this version of Crush is such a dork. Yeah, he's the real dork. Yeah, he's dork. <laughs> oh, brah, it's not good to yell at them, brah. Yep. Uh, Doink squirts him with water uh, and then, well, with the flower, I guess. And then Crush chases him. So we literally just watch these guys run around the ring until Crush gets in the ring and his music randomly so plays. this actually makes Crush look really dumb, by the way, Joe, is because... His music plays, and he failed, and Doink is mocking him on because the he failed to catch him yeah. as Crush's music's playing. Yeah, it's a weird yeah, way to end I, Raw. Yeah, and that's how the show ends. <laughs> it's true. Uh, back to Sean Mooney now, who's with Bobby Heenan outside, and he's like, oh, Bobby, you can go in now. So Bobby's all happily running over to the elevator as the show goes off the air. Overall, though, this was not that bad. It was certainly different from anything they've been doing. Bartlett yeah. was clearly out of place. Oh, yeah. That was a black mark. I'll put it this way. It's a classic show, but it definitely carries like a lot of the decline baggage with it if you like look at it objectively. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if yeah. you just look at it as just a show and not the context as the first Raw, yeah. you look at this and you're like, this is poor. Like, you right, know what right. I mean? That's all. You know what? Thinking about it now, just right now before we wrap up, Vince might have been going for an appeal to the casuals by putting the big fat guy on in the first match because it's like you're flipping through the channels you're like, oh that's a really fat guy yeah. and then in the last match before like the next program comes on you have the undertaker and this like weirdo yeah and then like clown yeah and like, and yeah. right and it might just be to like catch people's eyes like that were watching the usa network i don't know what was on after this right but you know what i'm saying we're channel surfing like whoa there's some weird shit here what is yeah, this I, I will say this i think it's well produced because it's trying to be impromptu and the just even the arena gives the vibe that it's impromptu oh yeah yeah I get where they're going, 
I think a lot of it is also aged poorly. A lot, I think oh, yeah. A lot of it. Because oh. they're trying so hard to be live that they have to give these in context of 1993 jokes. Right, like the Buffalo Bills and yeah. Woody Allen and the Tyson impressions. And all that, again, it's just to be like, look, it's live. This wasn't pre-taped. Right. You know what I mean? Just, like These are these are things in the news right now. Absolutely. Just like our show, folks, which is also definitely live and not oh, yeah, pre-taped. 100% live. And next week... Uncooked and uncensored. And uncouth. Yeah. And uh, un- uneventful. So next week, we'll be back live again to close out September for episode number 148. But until that time, be sure to reach us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Email us at OVPPodcast at gmail.com. Join the group if you have a Facebook. And if you want to throw us a couple of buck over on the Patreon, we'd appreciate that. You get a lot of cool stuff in return. But until next time when we're live again, I'm Joe Murata, that's Michael Quinn, and we are out of here. See ya. WWF Life Awaits Bill's Pitbull by Steve Hubbard January 11, 1993, Pittsburgh Mitch Rarett no longer paints his face black, imitating the ultimate warrior with his Dr. Death mask. He no longer works as an Armstrong County prison guard. But the Buffalo Bills flake still rockets across snow-laden streets on his Harley Davidson, blonde tresses cascading out of his helmet. He still lists house cleaning as his hobby. And he still sees the National Football League as a stepping stone to his real goal, the World Wrestling Federation. He plans to call himself Pitbull. Pit-